0: Fucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless
1: you, boys. Young men expressing themselves
0: unbelievable.
1: Fucks in deep. Put it in. Deep. Live on Sports Channel, the first ever television coverage of the NHL entry draft. I'm Mike Emmerich from the floor. Rodor controlling the net is in. Throws it down, he's got a goal! Martin Roger! Here is AJ long toss, Parise is in all alone for the win! Score! Two women's front blocks there, scramble for it there, they pull the at it. Still it's loose, Pumped out by Kovacic!
0: Pucks deep, the puck deep. Pucks in deep. Can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in
1: deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks
0: deep. All right, fans. Welcome back to the Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman here, alongside my fellow co-host Adam Lesco. and Lesko. How do you like those calls from the recently retired, legendary Doc Emmerich?
1: Absolutely beautiful. I I never heard that one where his voice cracked Oh, the
0: the Parise. Yeah. That's that's dialing the clock way back to when Doc first really made a name for himself in the NHL as a full-time team guy for the New Jersey Devils. Because, of course, everybody now knows him as the national NBC feed. You know, he's always getting the Stanley Cup Finals. He's always getting the Winter Classics. He's always getting all the big stuff. That'll be no longer as Mike Doc Emmerich has hung up the headset. And yeah, man, I actually copied that clip of him screaming score just so I could play it again for you. And I'm going to play it again right
1: now. (laughs) We got sound bites. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
0: like, does it get any better than that one? <laughs> it sounded like he
1: was singing it, and he he just went with it, too. He didn't, like, cut himself off when he squeaked. Like, you know, some people would do that just in conversation.
0: Sure, yeah. But, I mean, it's I, I feel like it adds to the call. He just
1: powered through it.
0: One more time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and there was a couple of those in the uh, extended highlight pack. I had to cut a bunch of stuff out, bro, because... There was just too much, you know, there was um the overtime goal by Martinez for the LA Kings, their first cup. Right. Right? Or no, sorry, that was their second cup. Their first cup. Yep. His call was the Kings are the Kings, mm-hmm. which was a great call. And the Martinez overtime one was just awesome cuz Martinez scored and he just said, "The cup, it's over" or something <laughs> like that. The Stanley Cup or whatever. It was just like I almost feel like you can, sometimes you can tell when a broadcaster has had something teed up versus when it happens organically. And with Doc, I feel like it always was organic. I don't think he ever got into his own mind as far as what am I going to say when this happens?
1: I think when you're that good, it just, it becomes second nature for you to come up with such great things organically. Like, you're just... You're flowing. You're in the moment. True. Two things I wanted to say about him. One, I really liked it when Chell switched over to him from... I think it was Jim Houston pre- previously on the... Uh, no, it was the Gary... Uh,
0: well, no, it was Gary Thorne.
1: Yeah, Gary Thorne. Then it was Jim Houston. No, I think it was the other way around. It was Houston, then Thorne. And Thorne was... Sorry, I'm just not a huge fan of his. And Who, then Gary they went, And then they went Doc Emmerich and Ray Ferraro.
0: Well, okay, so... We're going to have to do a fact check here because I'm going to debate you on that. I'm almost positive that it was Thorne followed by Huesen forever because Husen was forever. Like He was
1: like the OG, I, I recall, OG voice of the NHL games. I
0: remember him being like, uh, this one looks like it's going to be a barn burner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now they're coming a long way in like say the amount of recording they do and statements they put out because – right. It, 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 Back, I'd say even late 2000s, um, the sound bites were some of them were silly and some of them were overused. Like, you know, the game situation would trigger a, a weird sound bite. But anyway, the other point I wanted to make about uh, Doc Emmerich was much like a point I've made similarly about Gord Miller before: the build-up in the plays. Uh, he, if you weren't watching the game, based on the sound of his voice or the urgency in his voice, you know something's happening.
0: Yeah, if you're looking away from the screen, you know exactly when when to look. Yeah, Because all of a sudden, something is going down, and you're right. He puts it on like a trigger.
1: It's those guys who almost integrate the level of excitement and level of detail that uh, a radio play-by-play <coughs> would do in order to make up for the lack of visuals. Right. Like I feel if I was blind and I listened to uh, Emmerich broadcast of a hockey game, I would have just such a good feeling of what's going on.
0: Well, it's funny. He, I, I would, I think that doc Emmerich has a very unique way of describing the play. It's almost poetic if you will. And it's very, very different than Adam passes to Josh, Josh back to Adam and he scores. It's almost like, Excuse me. I used to call it like the Yoda approach because, you know, Yoda in Star Wars always kind of says things backwards. Right. Right. Well, Doc kind of does that. He says, like, moves it on ahead to Lesko, who moves it across the ice for Coleman Who drops it back into the zone once again for Lesko? Like he he says it almost backwards. Like he tells you what's happening, but he says it in a different way than most broadcasters would. And I think that, you know, his unique ability to describe the play with poetic justice, if you will, combined with his ability to allow the atmosphere within the arena to really bring it home
1: to play its role
0: oh amazing i mean you hear some of those calls let's go i would have liked to have ran the tape a little bit longer but we're not here all day here on episode 68 of the pucks indeed podcast i mean I, I would have liked to have let them roll a little bit longer because that's what he did you know he, he'd say "Scar, it's over and then it would be you know 20 seconds or so of nothing. Mm-hmm. People fucking banging on the glass and everyone losing their minds. And, and that, that was point, just a way, a great way of letting the fans feel the excitement, feel the passion.
1: At that point, too, if you're a, a home fan of whatever team scored that big goal in that big moment, you, you're yelling so loud at your home with your buddies that you can't even hear what he's saying anyway. Yeah, so that's it's very like, true. like, you might as well just shut up and let everyone enjoy the moment. Yeah, it's
0: true. Actually, I'm glad you touched on that, too, because as a fan of sporting events, there are so many times where, you know, in my life, I've cheered so hard for goals or, you know, home runs, if we're talking about the Jays or, or something like that. Um, I've I've cheered so hard and then I was able to relive it through the broadcast feed because I don't even remember what happened after. Yeah. Once the once the puck goes in, you're 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 cheering. You're running up and down the fucking hallway. You're yeah. hugging your buddies. You don't even see
1: the replay. You don't even see <laughs> yeah. any replays
0: or anything. And then when you get a chance to go and see the replay, you you get an even better understanding or a better appreciation, I should say, of the level of excitement that you had when you saw it happen live.
1: Yeah. So where does he rank for you, like all time? Like is he is he the guy? Because I feel like his voice is forever ingrained in my head, and might might a lot of it might have to do with uh the NHL franchise, but it's just, it just it, it's just so many phrases and, and calls and things come to mind when you Hit think about hockey or watching hockey Yeah, there's just <laughs> and a very distinct voice too, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um I think that reason that you just said, his distinct voice. Again, you know, you can compound with a bunch of different things the way he described the play his ability to allow the crowd to accentuate his calls. I I would have to put him, for me personally, just slightly behind Mr. Bob Cole, uh, in my opinion, as the the GOAT, the GOAT of play-by-play broadcasting. And perfect segue, bringing up Bob Cole, I wanted to ask you how you thought or how you felt. Uh, To to some people, this announcement uh, of retirement from Mike Emmerich came as a surprise. Um, and in my opinion, I think that this is exactly what we spoke about last year when we, or two years ago, whatever it was, when we talked about Bob Cole hanging up his headset. Bob Cole was forced into retirement because he couldn't do it anymore. Right. Doc Emmerich de- decided, I'm going to hang him up now mm-hmm. on my own accord before NBC tries to shoo me out the door right. by giving me the afternoon games and the round one you know stuff like that. That's what they did to Bob Lesko. Yeah, they gave Bob the lesser.
1: They gave him a victory lap essentially. Sure, and, and yeah. said, "By the way, you're out." I mean, he had been already taken off the main Saturday broadcast, and then they they allowed him to get X amount because he still wanted to work. I know he cause was. They fighting couldn't it. turn him turn him down. But he was fighting. I admired that from a character standpoint. Sure, for sure. But but I, I get the point you're saying is like, actually, you know, it's it's fitting. I've been watching The Last Dance finally recently. And Jordan said it really well. He said, you know, when I'm done, I don't want them to carry me off the court. I want to walk off the court. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, you know, it's it's six this way and half a dozen the other because I can see both arguments. Like you just said, I like the 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 drive from Bob Cole to say, "No, fuck this. I I'm, I'm gonna this going to keep going. This is my life. This is my life. This is what I want to do." But then at the same time, you have to think about your brand. Like you you've
1: become, I guess when you're 80, you don't think about your brand though. Uh, you know, like you're just I guess. you're just like I'm fucking done. Like I, I do what I want to do. Like you're retired, but you're not. Yeah, I'm retired, but I want to call hockey games.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But some I mean, junior
1: team might have picked him up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't think that that's the way he wants to go. No, but yeah, I, I think this is a really good decision by Doc Emmerich because, in my opinion, he's leaving the fans wanting more yeah. uh, rather than you know. and and, and listen, it was. Jesus, it must be almost ten years ago now, Lesko. Man, time flies.
1: So you got to figure a question: Is that does NBC just back the brakes, Chuck, up to Gord Miller's house right now? Well, to make him the guy.
0: You'd have to think so because they already lost Chris Cuthbert. Correct. Returning back to Sportsnet, and you have to wonder: maybe Chris Cuthbert would have liked to have known if Doc was hanging big a job
1: m- opportunity coming up there, and yeah. he was big. Down yeah, absolutely. NBC. Yeah. Because what it was other than Emmerich, Emmerich uh, did all the Nationals, like the big main ones. Mm-hmm. And the other like, Gord, I guess lesser Chris. games during the week and stuff was was Gordon Chris. And right? Kenny
0: Alberts. Okay. Kenny Alberts was really working his way in, too. And again, I like that I just brought up Kenny Alberts because I, I made a little list here. Let's go. My current play by play, Mount Rushmore, because I saw. You know, everyone on Twitter was posting their Mount Rushmore of broadcasting. And, you know, they were including, like, Danny Galavan and Bob Cole. I wanted to do a modern one. So, yeah, right. Bob Cole's great. Doc Emmerich's great. But those guys are retired. Let's let's look at the, the new talent, so to speak. Like, who's, so,
1: who's going right now?
0: Yeah, who's my favorite right now? So, I give you my four in no order whatsoever, but I'll give you my four. So, I got Mark Mosier, who does the Colorado Avalanche. I got John Forslund who does the Carolina Hurricanes. I actually think he just recently moved on from Carolina and now does national feed. Yeah,
1: the team gave gave him the "Ah, max. See, that's a bad
0: move. Anyway, Mark Mosier, John Forslund, Joe Bowen, and... Call me biased, but I like Big
1: time Homer.
0: But I like what Joe brings to the broadcast. No, I do. He jokes around.
1: Just don't follow him on social media. I
0: agree. Do? Yeah, yeah, he's a bit <laughs> of a loose <laughs> cannon on social media. Did you see how? Did you see him losing his fucking mind last week when TSN? No, went I the air? I
1: stopped following him like months, months oh ago. My like God, after no. the first like, uh, bo- like or not bought by uh, that. After the first time, or probably the eighth time, I went oh. Joe like what are you doing yeah. like I, I i couldn't do it i didn't want to you know why too it wasn't cuz like i'm like fuck this guy i was like i don't want his image to be sullied any further. I just want to know him as the hockey broadcaster. No more. Oh, for you personally? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know him for uh, views or my own on the internet there. right? Yeah, Fair so enough. Spare me.
0: But yeah, for Joe Bowen, for me, uh, like, you know, the anti-leafers out there, you can call me as biased as you want to. But at the end of the day, I just, I like what he does on the broadcast. He really brings like a a light atmosphere. Even when sometimes the Leafs are getting fucking canned, in oh, the yeah. game. And they'll come back from commercial and he'll just have a joke about this. And they'll or that. have no
1: qualms about calling out guys who are playing like dog shit.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, and to wrap them up, uh, I, I put Chris Cuthbert in there. And I actually put in brackets NBC national feed. But now, of course, as we're talking, I'm being reminded that he's no longer there. He's moved back to Sportsnet. But I felt really bad about putting Chris Cuthbert ahead. Of two guys, Gord Miller and Kenny Alberts, both of which who we've discussed uh, this evening, uh, and again both of which who are on NBC national feeds. So yeah, they're losing a guy like Doc Emmerich, but Jesus Christ, Lesko, they've got their they've got their paws the all talent over. is the is talent is stopped. so good. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's way better than like we said, have there up might here. Might be a big opportunity for them to thrust uh, Gordon Miller into a bigger role, uh, especially considering you know there's. TSN doesn't have national rights. I mean, I'm sure he's looking for work aside from, you know, the World Juniors, which, by the way, we just found out the World Juniors will start on Christmas fucking day this year. It's pretty sick. eh? How awesome is that going to be going head to head with the NBA, too, because I no doubt the NBA was going to fire up by Christmas. They always play on Christmas. Yeah, they You got to figure they're going to try.
0: Oh, you, oh! You mean the NBA? As I, well, I'm eh? willing
1: to bet that the NBA will try fire out by Christmas because they have owned that, that TV slot for years.
0: Yeah, but they they never. probably get
1: as many viewers as Home Alone on fucking Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah, but, um, you know, with the World Juniors being on Christmas, it's going to be a great uh, it's going to be a great way to to spend time with with nobody. Because we're not going to be able to hang out with
1: anybody on Christmas. Spend time with only the people who live in your house. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can't even have a little bubble anymore. I'm surprised you're able to come over here and do the podcast now. Are we not getting shut back down? I don't know. What?
1: There was no, uh, there was no government agents on the road telling me that I wasn't allowed to, so I just came over. Okay. But I mean, this table's fucking two meters long. Fully social distance. Yeah, that's
0: true. We're socially distancing here yeah. on the Pucks and Deep Podcast. As long as you don't
1: start spewing spit all over the place, I feel pretty safe. Well, I have
0: no promises. The other day, I choked on my coffee and spit it all over the kitchen table, all wow. over Kirsty, all over her computer. Wow. I, it just went down the wrong pipe, and boom, owned.
1: What I wouldn't do to fucking be a fly on the wall to see that go down. Oh, it was down. terrible.
0: <laughs> oh, it was terrible. <laughs> back but, on track. Back on track. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back, Pucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman at coleman Forty Two. Adam Lesko across the table here in the garage. Uh, I had the heater on Lesko in the garage. As you can see, I bought a big ass fucking propane heater. Big that's ass heater getting installed. Eighty thousand BTU. Industrial no big deal. garage heater. Uh, but there, there's the little guy over there that's been heating the garage for the past. We doing couple okay. Weeks. Not, it's nice and it's man. comfy, eh? It's nice, but it drops rather quickly. So I do have to get. Uh, yeah. I do have to look into getting some weather sealant. But uh, yeah, we're back here in the garage. Internet's good. Things are looking good, man. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'd like to maybe do a few more episodes than than one per month. we got a few of our listeners giving us the gears Plenty on gears. Twitter. Uh, so we're back. Calm your tits. Here we are. And we're going to get to a bunch of shit. Are we rapid fire? Let's go. Or are we just going to roll along? I
1: don't know. We'll just roll along here for now. And <laughs> right, you know, let's if I start happens. making the finger motions, you know, to wrap it up. <laughs> but uh, let's get on to the draft. I mean, there's been so much news since our last episode. Uh, appreciate the patience from the listeners out there, but here we are here today, ready to break it all down for you and uh, give, us, uh, give you guys our thoughts on what went down. And it, it turned out to be a pretty exciting off-season from a fan's perspective, but not exactly for the reasons we thought. I mean, originally, if we recall last episode, I was saying, wow, this is going to be a crazy free agency and probably tons of trades and... You know what? The economics had the opposite effect, I think, of what we were projecting. It, it really strapped teams and constrained teams and probably intimidated teams from making deals just because they either didn't have the capacity and the foresight to sort it all out and said, nah, "That's too complicated, we can't do it, or it's just the money's not there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when you're being, when you're being strapped by an internal cap... Right, which a lot of these teams were. I, I I wish there was some way to get a handle on an actual number, like a percentage of teams that did operate with an internal COVID nineteen
1: cap. It would be cool to see if, like, uh, you know, you could find out because sometimes you find out they have a cap around, and I guess you could assume what their internal caps are based on what they're spending. But it would be yeah. great if like say cap friendly integrated like a figure like by the way it has an internal cap of fifty million or something like that. I mean Ottawa wasn't even at the damn salary floor up until okay. I think after they signed off the other day, but we will get into the sense heavy a little later. But yeah, we were expecting a lot of trade activity and draft day was relatively quiet.
0: Yeah, I think it was almost like a I don't know what I want to call it, like a like a wait and see kind of mentality.
1: Yeah. And like we it, thought, we thought, wait and see what other people would do yeah. and who would go where. I mean, I felt like Petrangelo signing held up a lot of shit too, oh, for sure. as far as the trade market, as well as the free agent market was concerned.
0: Yeah. And yeah, the likes of Petro and Hall, uh, Taylor Hall, causing a little bit of delay with, you know, if we're not going to land a big fish, what are our other options as far as the smaller fish are concerned? But yeah, it was muchly just a wait and see game. And as you mentioned before, not a whole lot of trades. Uh, during the draft, um, not a whole lot of action, especially in round one, outside of what was probably the greatest, the single greatest thing that the Ottawa Senators have ever done in franchise history with the Alex Trebek. Uh, oh, yeah. Right? Like, that was just, that was just phenomenal.
1: That was phenomenal. And bringing out a legend like that and 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 one who is, you know, is going through a battle with cancer uh, highly publicly as well. Uh, but still continues to grind it out in a pandemic and do his job but that was super cool man i i got to give the whoever they hired in that in that social media department not the graphic design department allegedly <laughs> but whoever they ha- hired uh, they're doing a hell of a job there, there's been a few things i've noticed and that takes the cake right there as far as draft announcements go
0: <laughs> well you bring up the graphic designer and that was my first question i was sitting on the couch watching it alone and, you know, they were like, for our next selection, we now head over to whatever. And it was, it's Trebek. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Trebek. And then as it was happening, I'm like, what is happening right now?
1: They, they <laughs> what am pri- I watching?
0: <laughs> they had to pay, I'm sure, to book.
1: Yeah, I think they had to pay his cameo fee or I'm something. I'm <laughs> sure. Why wouldn't they? Oh,
0: I mean, maybe he says, no, I like this idea and I'll do it pro bono. But yeah. like... But still, I mean, the idea behind maybe spending a little bit of cash to bring Alex Trebek in to create some positive media relations with the team, some positive atmosphere. But they still, but they they can't afford to, you know, get their get their logo actually professionally
1: done. You <laughs> they know? spend all the money on Trebek's insane. cameo. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I I was just wondering out in my head there. I was like, I wonder, like. If he would do it pro bono, like, you figure Trebek makes a lot of money, right? I mean, he's been doing that show for, what, our entire lives. So (laughs) I'm really curious as to how much money he makes because if you think about it, like, a per-episode rate for a guy who's doing that show for so long and so good at it, like, he's got to be making a shitload of money, right?
0: Yeah, I highly doubt that he's hurting.
1: I'm looking it up right now. Are I'm you actually looking curious. it up? <laughs> so how much money does Alex Trebek make per episode? His contract is $10 million a year. His wow. current contract, $10 million, <laughs> which works out to be about 43 k per episode.
0: Wow. Very nice. So what
1: did the Ottawa Senators have to pay for the cameo? That's, That's what I want to know. You know what? If they had to pay for it, they wouldn't have fucking done it.
0: I'd have to agree with you there. I mean,
1: I have to agree Somebody with Somebody pulled out a favor. Somebody knows someone's aunt or whatever and just probably called into favor. Either that or he's just like, you know, like you said, he did it pro bono.
0: I, I, I would yeah, I, I would be inclined to say that he did it pro bono, but I mean who who cares? At the end of the day, it was great.
1: It was it awesome. was great. It like, was awesome. It was I'll the highlight. Crap. Full crowd. We're sitting here finding ways to pick it apart and carve, carve into them, but it was awesome. Uh, one of the things I want to point out about the broadcast was the first pick. Why in the fuck did they make Alex Ruffinie and his family sit there on a nanny cam for five minutes <laughs> while they while they made their pick? That was ridiculous television. And, and then they, let's go to the panel for some analysis. Well, you know... Uh, <clears throat> Because, you know, in the later picks, they were at least saying, like, oh, they might take this guy. They could take this guy. They have a need here. So on and so forth. Wasn't that ridiculous? Yeah. And and his dad, too, like, stands up, gives (laughs) the casual golf clap. He's like, congratulations, son. It was. I know it was a foregone (laughs) conclusion. It was a golf clap. Not exciting for them. But why the fuck did the Rangers draw it out for two... Or was it two or five minutes? I can't remember now. They
0: took the entire clock to make it. Yeah, the, pick, the whole clock to make it. Which a pick. made me How long mad. It was?
1: That made me mad. That was mad. dumb. And God bless Mark Bergerman because later in the draft, he just got up and made his pick. <laughs> yeah. I like that. At least uh, you look like you got your shit together.
0: Which was nice in this instance for this year that we don't see any other year is all this fuck around with, like, you know, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on their Stanley Cup victory and the Dallas Stars on their. Hard-fought uh, Stanley Cup Final. Thank
1: you for hosting the draft. <laughs> world-class you know, organization, world-class you know, city. Thanks to
0: Minnesota for hosting the draft. Then I want to thank and, Judy uh, at the
1: Marriott <laughs> for checking me <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, our watch party uh, back in, uh, you know, whatever, Pittsburgh. Everyone. Guys down
1: at Hooters watching the draft. Like, shut the fuck
0: up. Shout out to Mike in Buffalo
1: for calling into the radio.
0: Make the pick and I move know. on,
1: man. Like It's painful. It's have like
0: these guys like like ever been a part of a fantasy league? What, just.
1: <laughs> Okay, if I'm the <laughs> NHL and I'm, I'm like, I want to make good TV. Okay, stop fucking around. Make your pick and don't get up there and give me a laundry list of participation ribbons.
0: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, when we selected Austin Matthews, uh, wasn't that relatively short and sweet? Well,
1: they said you're on the clock. They got up and walked up to the podium. So the Toronto Maple Leafs are proud to and,
0: announce from Zurich.
1: Yeah, they didn't sit there and shuffle their papers, Austin look at Matthews. their cell phones, that and then it. go up and make the pick. So I just I thought it was weird, especially in this situation with with the broadcast being as awkward as it was, which is just a live feed of the studio, a live feed of Jerry, and then the corner <laughs> live feed of the Frenya family. Like I don't know, it was just weird to me.
0: <laughs> I just I loved the golf clap from Dad. No one is excited, and Dad is just like.
1: Yeah, now everyone's like, "Yeah, give him the jersey, put it on." Like, I, you know what? They probably had a full night of interviews to do, so like, yeah. they're probably like, "Let's fucking go here." Like, you know, he had to do an interview with every major newspaper. I mean, he's going to New York. We have to remember, yeah, here. New York. Okay, so you're talking about, you know, Toronto media probably times two overall, because you're dealing with the U.S. national media as well as the sports media all over North America and the new york local media
0: well yeah and on top of all that like the canadian media is going to have a huge huge presence i mean this kid is a quebec born uh you know hockey player that's been touted as the number one pick for several years now Uh, that's not just going to stop now that he has a spot you know it's going to only get worse depending on where the spot is and like you just said it's fucking New York. new york they said goodbye to the king Right, they said goodbye to their yeah, King, Henrik, King Henrik, and now they've got Alexis on the docket. You're up, bud. Better get some nice suits and find a good barber.
1: Absolutely,
0: because you got big shoes to fill.
1: Yeah, you yeah, got better. handsome shoes to fill. Now, I don't know if you were following along too much on social media during the draft, but for whatever reason, Corey Pronman of the Athletic, I believe he writes for, yeah. had all the draft picks before they were announced.
0: Corey, he leaked spoilers, of, prawn. Yeah, he
1: lo- he leaked every single draft pick. Now I'm assuming he had to connect at like the studio or or within the NHL or something. Because I have a feeling that there was some delay, right? Because uh, we saw it too with the the reaction, the delayed reaction on a, uh, some of the um, the announcements where you saw the family react after the team announced it on the broadcast. So I have a feeling that they had to like put it in with the NHL or something. Like, clearly there was a way for him to know, right? Like, there there, there was something there.
0: Well, for Prawnman, yes, there would have been some inside information. But generally speaking to the delay, the best one was Dylan Holloway, Edmonton. Yeah. Best one by far. Guy's sitting there on the couch, looks at his phone, looks at his brother or someone and goes, Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh my God, really? And then they look on the TV and like 35 seconds later, Edmonton... He's holding his (laughs) smile
1: too the whole time. Like, so it was totally spoiled in that sense. That kind of proved that there was was obviously a delay. You know what
0: that is though, Lesko? And here's my thought. And as you know, I've been an avid watcher of the hockey games through different channels, whether it be illegal streams or watching it on my satellite dish or something like that. You could tell the people who were on like actual cable television versus the people who were watching it via the internet. Mm. Because when you're watching on the internet, there's always a lag. I don't care if you have a gigabyte speed. Yeah, you're always behind. 15, 15 20 good yeah. ones, right? And some of some of them were like so far behind and others were only just slightly. So I could see early on, I was like, oh, they knew. They got cable. Yeah. They got cable, you know, versus other other members and their families were like waiting around. I'm like, they're watching on Sportsnet or dot CA or something like that. And I don't know if you know this thus score some of our listeners, but with a lot of those online feeds, every minute or so you lose another second. Mm-hmm. It just magically disappears. You get a little bit slower. So if you don't if you don't leave your feed and go back in if you just stay on the feed, it, yeah. if you
1: don't refresh your feed
0: for an hour,
1: you'll be way out. Oh off. my God. You could be six yeah. minutes behind. Don't check your phone while you're watching a game. That's
0: yeah, for sure. it's true. Or like at every commercial break, do yourself a solid and fucking, you know, go out and go back in. It seems crazy to have to do that, but it's true.
1: I just love how Pranman completely ruined like the TV broadcast <laughs> though, because here are the panel on, on Sportsnet. Trying to deliberate on who they should pick and who they might pick, and the guys already announced it like right after the last pick was made. It was it was hilarious. They
0: were uh, talking about it on Sirius Radio uh, the next day. It was uh, a friend of the show Jay Khan and uh, Boomer Gordon, and <laughs> Boomer's like, I unfollowed him. He's like, I I, I just I had to unfollow him
1: because he wanted to watch it on TV. I wanted and, to like- watch
0: it, and then he goes, and then I got I got a bunch of Yahoos that I follow. Retweeting it. All oh, right. So he's like, so now I had to unfollow those people. So it's like jokes on you guys. Like you're, you think you're breaking the news and everything, but really you're losing followers. And I what agree. A,
1: what it, an old school opinion, being like, no, I just want to watch it naturally in the broadcast. Whereas I just became glued to my phone. I wasn't paying attention to the broadcast at all.
0: Oh really? I had
1: it basically on mute, and I was just scrolling through my phone, getting the news, and because. I really enjoy the, the real-time analysis. Like, I follow a lot of guys who are big on prospects, yep. prospect watching. So they're giving you the scouting report and the lowdown. <clears throat> Here's a couple gifts of them scoring in the fucking Elite League or whatever. Right. So I think that's uh, that's where I kind of go as a fan. And I wonder if, you know, Promen realize like, hey, a lot of people are watching this through their phones right now. They aren't actually sitting on their couch or watching Sportsnet. They're sitting here taking it in as it's being live tweeted by whoever he's yeah like that's true one step ahead right that's
0: true so if the guy that i follow is announcing the picks 98 seconds after this Prawnman guy i mean my question is this like is it that important is is it is is those 90 seconds that important some of
1: those like minutes before though
0: yeah fair enough i
1: mean i'd take it just because like i'd do it if i had the chance i guess what i'm saying oh like if i knew it i'd do it i'd do it dirty get unfollowed by everybody (laughs) and gain i bet you the unfollow versus follow (laughs) ratio though i bet you it fucking checks out
0: well you'd have to have followers first for them to jump right
1: but i mean you'd probably gain a lot of followers in the process you're like this guy this guy's the real insider
0: at, let's go, Adam.
1: Just so you know.
0: Just so everyone knows. And hey, I'm the insider here. I'm the one that told you that Joe was coming to town.
1: You did. You, you heard it here first. <sighs> Online, you made sure everyone knew. It just made
0: too much sense.
1: It did. We'll get there, though. Yeah, it's we'll get there. there. I was
0: going to argue with you earlier when you first came over. I was going to be like, Leafs first. Let's just fuck off with everything else. We
1: would have talked Leafs the whole time. <laughs> it would have been the two whole hours of Leafs, time. Two hours of Leafs. It would have been. So... We did mention that there wasn't a lot of trade action during the draft, but obviously Montreal made the biggest splash. I mean, Montreal went out and got Josh Anderson. They traded Max Domi away. Big trade. Uh, I guess, what do we call Domi and Montreal? A failed experiment? Is that fair to say?
0: Uh, it depends on how you view his exit. I mean, I know a lot of people view it as an irreparable connection, irreparable relationship, you know, uh, damage to the relationship between coach and player. Um, based on what I've read and heard, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's really the well, case. Well, he was playing
1: the fourth line in the, in the playoffs, was he not?
0: Right. Well, he was in the doghouse. Yeah. That happens. And
1: stayed in the doghouse from March all the way to August.
0: Okay, fair enough. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's he didn't even get a like a, a a fresh start or anything. Yeah, it was right back in. I,
0: I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it a failed experiment. I think I'd be leaning more towards a necessary, you know, parting of the ways. Right. You know, you want new scenery. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's already had it once before. Let's go. How long until Max Domi becomes the problem? if he's not already, depending on who you talk to. Right. I personally don't think he is, but if he moves on again, then I think it could be, he could be the problem.
1: Yeah. Is he, uh, you know, a problem in the room? Is he, you know, is he uncoachable type guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there could be a lot to it and, you know, at least it, it good on Montreal to get another asset. I know they had to give up a third as well in this trade, but to you know they traded Galchenik for Domi, and then now they've turned it into Josh Anderson, who addresses a need for them. I mean, Montreal set out this off season to get a little tougher and to add some goals. They did both, right? They managed to get Toffoli in free agency, and they managed to get Josh Anderson. The contract for Anderson. Might be a bit of a different story. That is an aggressive contract for a guy who scored one fucking goal last season. Yeah, but how
0: many games did he play?
1: Uh, I don't know, 30.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah,
1: okay, he got to have at least more than one there. Right. I mean, he's not playing for the offensive powerhouse Columbus Blue Jackets we're talking about here. Right. But, man, that's a lot of coin to give to a guy who scored, what, 20 goals? once i believe like sorry i'm now that i'm talking stats i gotta look it up so go ahead and talk Uh, well aggressive is myself here
0: aggressive is the right word i mean yeah it's
1: it's like we're but you know what my immediate thoughts were shades of david clarkson (laughs) like god help you montreal and montreal fans that this isn't the case but i was like you just gave $6 6 million dollars to a fucking power forward and we've been down that road and we just finished paying off that road last season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's
1: nothing could go as bad as that. There's no, no I'm not saying that's what it is. It just reminded me of it.
0: Yeah, it it has a certain aura or stench to it, if you will. It could it could result in being, you know, something that they wish they could Go back and not do. But I mean, let's go. Isn't that what this whole fucking game is about?
1: I guess it's a whole <laughs> lot of crapshoots. So I've got his stats here. He scored 20, over 20 goals once, 27 goals in uh, not last season. It was 18 19. And to my other point about how many games he played last year when he had one goal, three assists for four points, he played 26 in a season where I assume he was not healthy at all. If that's how many games he played and that's how. Um, poorly he performed Uh, previously that he did score 19 goals in 63 with the Blue Jackets and 17 and 78 so there is a precedent for goal scoring here oh he can play and I'm sure Montreal is hoping they can get a little more out of him with a bit more of a high-powered offense say versus Columbus
0: yeah I mean there's no doubt that he's got game okay Um, would you not like to have him in the on our team,
1: you know, I I immediately thought that he'd be a target for the Maple Leafs, but I'm sure if they got wind of what he would have costed them, like, no, oh no, chance, absolutely. Not oh, a chance. I'm not talking
0: about the dollar sign. I just mean the player. Oh, absolutely. Would the, you player not love is the player?
1: Super likable. He's big. He's mean, and he can score goals. What's I his
0: mean, What's his actual contract? Am I putting you on the spot right now?
1: I believe he's making six or six and a half. You have to verify that fact for the listeners out there. But um, overall, though, like. Uh, going back to the draft, I guess um, a couple more things I did want to talk about was, and this was a bit of a shock. And and uh, Buffalo got they got a lot of heat for this. They picked Jack Quinn before his teammate Marco Rossi.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. Good guy,
1: local guy, coming straight out of Cobden, Jack Quinn.
0: Yeah, not Ottawa.
1: Not Ottawa. Thanks, Sportsnet. Yeah,
0: fucking fucking Valier
1: can't get no love, right? It's so true. I, when I saw that, I was like I I was super happy to so was, then they had the live feed in his living room and his family. They had a big fish on the wall. I'm like, how valley is that right there? Yeah,
0: no kidding. But, but yeah,
1: he gets drafted and they screw that up.
0: By the way, 5.5.
1: They probably didn't believe Cobb was a real place. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, but you know what though? It's it's
1: time on the highway.
0: <laughs> it's times like those where it's it's it's, it's cool to to say that it's Cobden instead of Ottawa, and let's be let's be clear here for our listeners that aren't geographically inclined in this area. It's not even. Close. It's not even close. It's
1: not. It's not like Carp or Stittsville or something like that. Like it's not even close.
0: No, it's no, not, we're
1: not talking Canada or even Armpire, for fuck's sakes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, like <laughs> Armpire would be different. We're talking about a
1: good hour out of fucking at least, Ottawa. <laughs> at
0: least it's closer to Pembroke yeah, than, exactly. it, than it is. Closer to, to here than Ottawa. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to see if. Um, we might be able to uh, get him on the pod here. Let's see if we can get a little Jack in the, on the pod.
1: Work the connects. Well, we
0: got a little bit of a connect there. We got a buddy of mine that does the uh, broadcasting for the lasers in the, uh, the CCHL. Yep, yeah, the lasers pew pew hashtag pew pew. Uh, you know, he played he played lasers in the CCHL. I, I think only briefly. Uh, Before he moved, yeah, quickly before the OHL, yeah, very quickly. So I mean, he's got. uh, We got a little bit of connection, though, so we might be able to get him on. We'll have to see. We got we got a bunch um, of guests coming up. It's
1: gonna be great. The good thing about Jack Quinn getting drafted to the Buffalo Sabres is that there's a real opportunity for him to make that lineup. You got to figure figure that they're an open book next year. Aside from Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Reinhardt, like, fuck, there's spaces on that team to be made.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got your your Eichel Hall uh first shot and then you've got your uh Skinner uh second shot as well looking to bounce back yeah and so you're right I mean it why not right I don't think it's gonna hurt development you know sometimes you have that argument right well you don't want to bring him up and you know it's tough going and all he does is lose but I mean you're playing in the fucking show man like that's what you that's what you
1: do. There's one thing I've learned about the Buffalo Sabers since the Pagulas have taken over, and you have no fucking idea what they're gonna do. <laughs> you really don't. Like they go spend money on fucking second, borderline second line free agents, give them six million a year, <clears> bury them in the minors. I mean, they have made historically bad signings. They go out and pull up Taylor Hall, which we'll get into a little bit more later, which is was a, I think a surprise to everyone. Yes. And and you know they went off the board a little bit in drafting Jack Quinn early, so. Jeez, man, there's, there's nothing you can predict with this team. So I that's part of why I believe he has as good as opportunity as any to make the team next year because who knows what they're going to do.
0: I mean, he could be playing with Patrick Kane before the season's over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is another thing we'll get into as well if we can ever get there. Well, yeah, that, Two more points on the draft.
0: Those rumors will be flowing.
1: Yeah, no doubt. They already are flowing too. Yeah. Um, do you think there was a recency bias amongst Russian draft eligible players because the KHL was active and these guys were playing hockey?
0: Uh ooh, that's an interesting question. Do you ask that? Is this a loaded question?
1: It is. Well, it, it might sound that way because the Leafs drafted a Russian in Fair. The, in the top uh in the first round of the draft. But there was a lot of Russians taken in the first round of the draft and it was brought up by people smarter than myself who are more in tune with the prospects
0: there's people smarter than you
1: i i've heard but i I have not i've not confirmed
0: it's just speculative at this point
1: speculative at this point
0: um you know what I, i hadn't even really thought of that to be honest dude and i think that's a really good point though i mean if you can't watch your prospects play
1: how how do you know what's going on with them you think about the majority of the guys even drafted. I mean, OHL, QW, like, they haven't played since March. The European leagues had, didn't play. They didn't finish. A lot of them didn't finish. They didn't play off. They didn't do anything like that. So a lot of these guys haven't been seen in quite a long time. You're lying on tape. Hours and hours of tape. And
0: so, So what do you think? Are you saying that we won the draft because we got a guy that is currently playing?
1: No, I just think that there was... There was more attention paid, probably, to the Russian prospects. And, you know, I'm not saying they're all Russian, but guys were actively playing in the KHL. Okay. I, I think there was because you, you could, got to see what they were doing, especially if they are doing well. It definitely brings up their appeal levels Because, you know, think about it. Like, if you're, if you're a scout for the WHL and all you watch is WHL hockey, you're going to think the, some of the best players out there are in the WHL. Yes, Right? Yes. I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes. So picture a world where only the WHL is playing. Yeah. You know? And you're trying to compare Buddy who's second in scoring the WHL versus the guy who's second in scoring the Q. Anywhere else, yeah. But one of them hasn't played in eight months. They're not playing. Right? And, yeah, it just I feel like just by human nature alone that could occur.
0: I, I don't think it's something that you can just ignore, though. You you can't just be like, ah, it's okay.
1: Ah, who cares? You have to find a counterweight for that. Yeah,
0: but you also can't put all your eggs in that one basket. Right. Oh, well, just because the other leagues aren't playing doesn't mean we're not going to draft from those leagues. Like, you have to give them the attention that they're due. So you're right. Bit of a difficult balance to find there. You know, we want to look at these guys because they're currently playing. We wish we could look at these guys, but all we can look at is tape. Yeah. So, tough one there. But in my honest opinion, when they announced whatever the fuck his name is I don't even know how to say it Rodion Amirov is that right Amirov Amirov yeah am I right um when they announced his name I was like who and I think did you see Morgan Riley? how funny it looked (laughs) Morgan
1: Riley (laughs) stand in the back looks like a guy he looks like a guy in police foundations who just graduated police foundations at Algonquin College with that mustache and everything he's wearing the collared shirt and he has hands behind his back he's Working security while Dude, Mitch is making the announcement.
0: He, he's straight out of super troopers.
1: You look so great.
0: That's what he looks like in that clip. So yeah, I personally was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then boom, like, you know, me along with a hundred million other people just started Googling and Twittering Rodion Amirov and trying to find some highlights, some pretty slick highlights pretty from that guy. Hockey man.
1: Player. Like it was interesting to see a lot of the comparisons. Um, I saw were to Mitch Marner, and, which I was surprised at. But after I started to watch a bit of him, I was like, oh, you know, I can see that point from a playmaking, stick-handling, puck-handling. And, and smarts, And hockey-sense, hockey-sense standpoint. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really hard to judge, especially someone who's not a scout or not watching, these young kids who play in the KHL simply because a lot of times – unlike, say, the NHL, even if you are a young, hot shot, 18, 17-year-old in the K, you don't play a lot. You get scratched a lot, and yeah. you don't play a lot of minutes.
0: How uh, fed up were you within moments after the selection made by the Toronto Maple Leafs? How quickly were you fed up with the masses of people who apparently thought that we could address our defense and toughness with the 15th overall pick in this year's draft
1: that drove me nuts because that's the typical and you know i'm sure there's fans like this in every fan base but that was the typical short-sighted response oh why didn't they draft an rd why didn't draft an rd (laughs) because they're not going to draft a guy who's going to walk on the team (coughs) next year and be their top number one rd Gooley
0: was right there why didn't we draft ghoulie it's like because he's not even gonna be in the fucking lineup until like I don't know yeah.
1: when man. I mean it's like. been it's been established for quite a while and, and I'm not sure <laughs> if people have been paying attention that you don't draft for need. Right now. You draft who's the best player best available. Best player available is the best player available. I mean, unless you're drafting in the top three and all three are bona fide NHLers and not just NHLers but ready to go stars. Yeah, then make a then choice then you can make a choice sure. perhaps on need. But outside of that, you're not doing that. You just aren't.
0: Yeah, sure. Like if you have if you have two guys, one is a forward. I don't care if he's a center or a fucking winger. He's a forward. He's clearly the best forward by a million miles than any other forward. And then you have a defenseman. And we don't He's better than any other defenseman available. Then you make the defenseman pick if if it's the Leafs. You know, you pick the Leaf you pick the defenseman because you fucking need him. He's ready to go right now.
1: Just like you said. But
0: Oh, my God, dude. Like, it's
1: just... It's frustrating. Oh, it's so frustrating. You see those, the the classic knee-jerk reactionary takes to that kind of selection. And, again, like, you got to look at the big picture here. And you have to understand that the people who are paid tons of money... To be in charge of this situation, <laughs> understand the big picture when they're making these picks.
0: Yeah, but you say that, let's go, and then they instantly counter with, "Well, yeah, it's it's really been working so well for the last yeah. fucking sixty See, that's, years." That's when you're so just, dumb. Yeah, just then turn you're off. just
1: well. Then that, at that point, you're really just arguing. You're, with an you're idiot. complaining for the sake of complaining, and it doesn't matter. And we'll get into this later when we get into the Maple Leafs. That regardless of what management does or what this team does. And it could be ingrained from 50 years of losing, but there's people who are going to find something to complain about regardless of what the team does.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're finding holes with whatever Dubis has done right now. And you, I see a lot of tweets that are just like, hammer right on the fucking nail, like right in the middle of it. Like they just hit the nail right on the head perfectly when they're like, okay, back. let's back up. And they're like, this is... This is what Dubis should do, and then Dubas does that. And then they're like, Oh, well, he didn't do it as well as I thought. He should do this now. And then he does that too. And then it's just like, how can you complain? He's literally doing what you um, wanted.
1: Some people are serial complainers. They make a living or or you know, get their enjoyment out of complaining about things. Oh, and bro, so,
0: like know. there's a like you said, there's a lot of those in every fan base, but I I, I feel like almost half of our fan base particular in the Leafs is that way
1: and i wonder if it's just that ingrained pessimism due to all the all the failures. losing
0: yeah all and, and losing, so that yeah. when we do lose instead of me being disappointed i'm able to say fucking told you so yeah. fucking told you we were gonna yeah.
1: lose say so, because they're that's who they are they're the i told i told you so i guys. told us so they're just sitting there waiting <laughs> i was about to say it like ricky there i fucking told us so julian i told us so. i don't
0: want to say i told us so julian but i fucking told us i'm so. not the
1: one to say i told us so but i fucking told us so julian <laughs> She fucking goes, boys. One last note on the draft. I was in the first round when I believe was it the Devils who selected Shakir Mukhamadulin. Yes, I was like I texted you. I said, "Can you find someone with a better handle? Let me know." But I think it was topped. The Preds actually drafted a kid later in the draft the next day, and his name was Gunnar Wolf Fontaine.
0: The Secure Mukhamadulin is better in my opinion because Gunnar needs like some sort of wicked Scandinavian last name,
1: right? Like the last name drops off a little bit. It,
0: Fontaine.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh,
0: too bad because if it was Gunnar Wolf something Versleikensville or something, it'd be amazing. But this Mukhamadulin man, or however you say it. I think I texted you back right away. I was like, "It's it's it's got an automatic go to goal call when he scores. It's how you doing, Mukhamadulin? <laughs> Perfect goal call for when Shakir fucking rocks
1: it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how that or how that plays out, or if he if indeed he does make the NHL to hear some of the the calls that come with such a handle. I don't know though. Like, what if what if we combine them, the both? Like, Gunnar Wolf Mookumadulin. Yeah, exactly. Now, right. There's a fucking now we're handle. talking. Now we're talking.
0: Gunnar Wolf just for some reason reminds me every time I read it or you say it, I think of the Mighty Ducks.
1: For he some reason, he sounds like a he sounds like a villain in the Mighty villain? Ducks movie. <laughs> like he played for Iceland. Maybe he was like the first Gunnar Stahl. Defense. Yeah, they got Gunnar Stahl, but then you got Gunnar Wolf <laughs> Fontaine, who's the starting D man there. <laughs>
0: Busting your checklets yeah. for Team Iceland.
1: Yeah, two minutes, well worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, let's spin off into Ottawa here um, because obviously the draft day really was all about the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you've been waiting for this day for quite some time. It's been a long road coming. And not only did they draft really well and picking another uh, a German, Tim Stutzler. Stutzle? do I have that correct? I, I don't know. I, do. I like Stutzel. Like I like, thought it was Stutzel. It's Stutzle, apparently. The
0: way uh, Trebek pronounced it.
1: Yeah, but he, um, man, he, he's outstanding. I watched. I made a point of watching Team Germany in the last World Junior Championships because I want to get a look at this guy. And I think at the time he was floating around number two ranked overall in the world. Yes,
0: and he was up there at, at points.
1: They they couldn't go wrong with that pick. Outstanding pick for them. And then you know after that they get to go and pick at five. And, fuck. I mean, things couldn't have worked out better as far as that Sharks tank job or whatever you want to call that debacle they had last season. And uh, they go out and, what, Drake uh, Jake Sanderson was the other gentleman. They picked uh, a defenseman.
0: Man, I, I have some sense buddies that were uh, really not happy with that well, Sanderson Well, he was a bit pick. of
1: an off-the-board pick because some people had him ranked as high as 10.
0: Right. But, I mean... Okay, fine. You have them ranked at 10. I have them ranked at 5. I want them at 5. What's the big deal? It's not
1: a big deal. I hope they didn't get into drafting for need. Well, I mean, it,
0: <laughs> why can they draft owners?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> if only. <laughs> hey, Trebek, you want to buy the team? I saw your salary on Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, I mean, we're we're not going to know anything about these draft-eligible players, at least for, like, you know, what, five years? With a couple of exceptions, okay? You know, the likes of Lafreniere and Stutzel. Like, I think
1: Stutzla will be on the team next year. I think so. Yeah. I think
0: as far as you go, as far as Stutzel is concerned, or Stutzla, it's got to be Stutzel. Stutzla. It, I don't want to say that. play. will wait
1: play. and see what Gord Miller says. That's what year. I'm saying. Yeah, or cut bird.
0: Um, <clears throat> Actually, I think it was last year or the year before, I'm doing my play-by-play for the Lumber Kings. Someone comes up and says, like, hey, you know, by the way, this guy's name is this way and not the way that you're saying it. And I'm like, well, the way I'm saying it's way better. <laughs> so I'm
1: going to keep saying it that way. What a fucking move. <laughs> what a move to Paul. Well, it I hope just, it wasn't his mom. Well, no, no. It was just
0: our, <laughs> our color guy. He's like, oh, by the way, I was just chatting with the coaching staff in the intermission there, and he just said, it's not a big deal, but he said, this guy's name is actually pronounced blah, blah, instead of blah, blah. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm like, it sounds way better the way I say it. <laughs> so I, mean, it. I gonna made gonna his name
1: sound cool, so just take it.
0: Well, and and it, the, re- the thing that made me think of it was the Stutzel Stutzla. Like, come on. Now, I don't mean any disrespect here, okay? But- Stutzel is just way better. Like, here he comes. He scores Stutzel. Maybe you know, he'll be one of... Versus, like, he scores Stutzla. Like, <laughs> it, it takes just...
1: a little more work to say. Yeah. I wonder if he's one of those guys who, that's his name will be Stutzla when he comes in. And then after a while, he's like, okay, I'll just make it Englisher or Englishize it. Yes. Which would be Stutzel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, okay.
0: Like, it's not Brian Litla. Yeah. <laughs> It's Brian Little. (laughs) It's not Brian Litla. Scores! Brian Litla.
1: If he was German, it would be. I'm
0: sure it would be, but
1: when he Uh, comes to Canada,
0: he's fucking
1: playing here, and it's goddamn Stutzel. All right, Don Cherry. You pronounce things however the fuck you want. Uh, So, getting back into Ottawa here. um, Big day for them overall. Um, Not only that, but they pull off a pretty impressive trade and get the rights to Matt Murray. Now... This is a point of contention because people probably seem pretty excited. People are disappointed. I think they let go to Anderson, but I think it was overall exciting that they brought in a goalie with two cup rings. He's 26 years old. So you think, you know, trading for his rights and then going ahead and proceeding to sign him to a, a you know, a, a fucking big money deal. Four years, $6.25 million for Matt Murray for a guy who had it at .889 save percentage last year. So this is a bit of a... An interesting move because you can't call it a buy low because they're paying for those cup rings and starting goalie pedigree. But last year, Matt Murray did not play like a starting goalie. So it is a bit of a gamble. Maybe not so much for the auto centers who are trying to spend their way to the cap floor. And I will give them credit because it was a bold move and they did address an area of need (coughs) because they let Anderson walk starting goaltender. And one who can play for a number of years, knowing that Anderson was what thirty nine, right? He was done.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. Um, you know, with Murray, dude, it's an interesting signing. I remember when he when when they acquired, I guess they acquired him, or did they? His who, rights. Yes. Okay. Yeah. His rights. He's the RFA. I remember thinking like, okay, that's an interesting one. Like, does he want to? Does he want to sign there? Is he going to sign there? And then you know, from what I was reading and from what I was told by a lot of my sense friends, uh, Sens fans, friends, um, you know, they were saying, look it, he wanted to come here. So he's definitely going to sign. And I thought, okay, a little skeptical about that, but I'll take yet your word for it. I don't follow the team as much as you do. And then sure enough, he signs four times 6.25. What, 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 I don't want to say that it bothers me because nothing bothers me about this, but what, what really makes me wonder, Lesko is what are they paying for Exactly. Because do you think that at any point during his four-year contract at 6.25 per, do you think at any point he will be leading them to some sort of playoff run? Like, are the pesky sends making a return three years from today?
1: That's a fair point.
0: Are they? I don't know. And no one knows, okay? We're not crystal ball here. But... Holy fuck, man! I'd be hard pressed to think no, that it's a they're, fair point. they're going to be contenders. It's because, and then if they're not, what what happens after?
1: Where do it, they go? It's after? a big, it's a big gamble, and I guess you got to you got to spend your money somewhere, and it might have been a matter of going. Hey, we need a we need a goaltender. If we're gonna put some butts in the seats when butts are allowed back in the seats, we're gonna need a, a, a half decent goaltender. Because they could have you know, they could have went the Blackhawks route and rolled out with who? Dalia and somebody? <laughs>
0: Suban and Suban,
1: yeah, two thirds second and third string goaltenders. Like, at least Otto isn't mailing in that hard. Now I understand they're trying to build back up. They're not where the Blackhawks are at. Apparently we'll get to them in a moment, but right. they're tearing it down. But Ottawa realizes that they're on the up and up, okay? We've made these two drop picks. Now we start moving forward. So, I really like that they did this and in that it's a bold move and then they go out and sign Dadnoff, to, i I'd say a pre-reasonable contract, 3 years, not a lot of term at 5 million, 5 million bucks. I shouldn't say it's nothing to the Ottawa Senators because they're picking up butts down at the OC Transpo station, <laughs> but I mean, overall, they need the money to get to the cap floor. And for a guy who can produce 20 to 30 goals a year, that's not a bad signing. And you need someone to play your top line.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the Dadanov signing is, uh, I mean, it's an overpayment, in my opinion, but who cares? You know, it's not like you're saying, oh, well, they overpaid and now they can't, like, no, it's not an
1: overpayment. I think that's fair. And it's, if anything, it's a little bit compressed because we saw a lot of free agents get shook down.
0: Yeah, fair enough, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, Dadunov is—it's weird. It's, it's very strange to try and break down the signings and the transactions from a team that is just getting to floor.
1: Right, okay? and, it's, and because, it's just turning that corner. I mean, they're on the cusp of bottoming out. Yeah. They just hit the, the, the basement. And now they're looking to build back yeah, up. Yeah,
0: sure. But I can tell you one thing right now, Lesko. Dadnov ain't playing with Barkov this year.
1: Exactly. He's, you know, like, <laughs> they're hoping that... Who's going to
0: play with? Chris Tierney?
1: Well, I, who is their first line? <laughs> <server>? <laughs> Dude. Because I, I saw... Know. I believe when I checked Daily Faceoff, last I saw it was Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk made up the other aspects of their first line. <laughs> and that's, you know, not saying Brady Kachuk isn't a first line player, but that is a... Uh, You know, you look down this middle of the ice for Ottawa, and it's not ideal. Uh, What is it? Like I still expect them, fully expect them to be a basement team again this year. But I guess what I'm saying, and and from a uh, you know, from a I'm sure from the Senators fans' standpoint, it's nice to see some progress in the other direction, even if it was just mandatory to get meet the goddamn salary floor.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, Fuck, I had. I had the Sens, um, whatever, my phone's not working. I, I had their their um, projected lineup uh, up, and I can't get it on my phone right now. But uh, one of my buddies sent it to me, and he's like, how do you like that lineup? And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, like, oh, dear. But they do, like, it was just up front, right? It was just their forward. They, they do have nice defense. I'm not going to lie. Like, they got pretty good back end. It's not terrible.
1: Who's oh, other than Shabbat? Who's on their back end? Well, I don't know. I, exactly. I don't have any. <laughs> no, but you're, you're not complimenting them.
0: No, I, I'm not necessarily complimenting yeah. them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's not like it's not necessarily like bottom of the league, basement garbage. Like I don't think they're going to be as bad, nearly as bad as they were last year. They've made nice improvements.
1: No, they they should be better than last year. But you look at the division. You look at the conference. I don't see them fall. You know. Getting out of the basement three in the conference. Yeah, to but be what's honest. what's the division? But again, as we said, good draft, a couple good signings. Hopefully, we'll see Matt Murray. It's a big roll of the dice there, but steps in the right direction once again. It's it's nice to see them on the other side of things. I agree. Over the hump of the teardown and whatnot. I agree. Um, but as
0: far as their fans are concerned, they deserve another eight years of fucking turmoil.
1: And if you recall, um, I think it was when. They were doing the initial teardown. Eugene put out in that statement that he said in 2021, Ottawa would be spending to the cap and it would be the beginning of unparalleled success. And I quote, so how do you think Senators feeling about that timeline after the draft?
0: Unparalleled success.
1: I mean, it's obviously, okay, I brought that up basically as a ribbon, as a joke, because (laughs) we know they're not on track for such a thing, Correct
0: uh i yes
1: but apparently the new plan is and this is what i saw on twitter today is that they have a like a hundred and some page plan to win the cup within four years starting now i guess or at the draft i'm not really sure
0: well and that brings me back to my murray point i mean where are they at the end of the murray contract I, i i i'm so interested i seriously am i think ottawa is one of the most interesting teams in fucking pro sports and it comes down to their owner and the way it 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 shakes down and you know I everyone knows that we love to hammer on Eugene here on the Pucks and D podcast if you follow Jack Maxwell on Twitter it, it's a bit of a gong show you know he's always stroking the owner off i still think it's Eugene i can't Eugene. tell if that's
1: a parody or not i, I still, still can't think tell. it's Eugene yeah i want to do a poll on that actually you know and, you but, know it's funny so you bring up Eugene After all the good news and positive headlines they had, he's always got to upstage things somehow.
0: Yes. Right?
1: Now, the first incident was the suing of a Sun columnist who allegedly the reason why he's suing is because he alludes that that Sun columnist... um, (coughs) Sorry, I'm using the wrong words here. But the Sun columnist allegedly alluded that Melnick was mismanaging funds with the Sense Foundation... And that was where the origin of the lawsuit. But a lot of people kind of laughed it off and didn't take it seriously because they sued him for five hundred grand. Yeah, really? Like, how are you justify five hundred grand in damages, even if you are correct? And like, you know, is, is this just a bully tactic at this point? I assume.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of pushing your pushing your papers around and flexing your financial capabilities on others.
1: I guess when you have as many lawyers on retainers as this guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you keep busy, right? <laughs> um, keep and that then, file open. The other news was a really interesting interview he had, I think, with the Financial Post the other day, where he said that the Sens would have a, was, the Senators were planning on having a new rink within five years and that they were looking at land near the CTC in Canada. So, is that a bluff? Because that's my question about that.
0: That can't be right. The whole fucking thing was about moving downtown.
1: Right. So, so my, my guess is it's a bluff. That he's basically saying, Ah, Ottawa City Council doesn't want to play ball. The LeBreton <laughs> Flats or NCC or whatever the regulatory bodies have to deal with aren't playing ball. He's like, All right, I'm looking at Landon Canada.
0: Did you see the tweet from Jack Maxwell when they drafted uh, or when they traded for Austin Watson?
1: I did not see that.
0: So they traded for Austin Watson. Don't even know who the fuck he is. I think he played for Nashville. Yeah. Um, As soon as they made the trade, Maxwell tweets out: "Finally, a Watson that this city can cheer for." (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Because who? What is it? Is it is Watson? Jim Watson. Jim Watson, right? right? And it was and it was Jim O'Brien, right? Before.
1: Yeah. Is that not right? Jim O'Brien yeah. was Larry, Larry O'Brien. Of Larry. No, no that's, that's the NBA trophy. Look <laughs> <You suck> at <idiot. laughs> what you're doing playing oh name God. game. I don't want to play name game with you. <laughs> the Larry OB. The Larry OB here oh in Ottawa.
0: Anyway, yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, honestly, like at first when Maxwell broke on the scene, I-, I thought it was pathetic. And I was like, this is fucking dumb. Then you kind of turned it's so me. so funny.
1: You turned it's me hilarious. on to
0: the parody part of it, and I was like, you know what, fuck, maybe you're right. Like, it might just be a parody. But then, as time goes on, it's like, no, it's it, it's it's definitely either Eugene himself, kind of pulling a a, a fucking Donnie Trump oh. of Twitter, you know, for himself, or or it's someone that he's hired and told them to do that like pump me up talk about buying merch I don't talk know, about man. the Cho's and their delicious sauce at I, the ctc I don't know
1: dude but like it's it's either the best parody out there like uh, and it's not even a parody cuz it's a parody of a burner account basically <coughs> and if it is it's it's very well done and i would love to meet the creator if that is such the case so what would
0: you say it's either the best parody account or the worst burner
1: it can't be both. Right? It
0: has to be one or the other. Yeah, so it's either the best parody it's ever be the best parody. or the worst it's burner. It's gotta be the
1: best parody. Cause it's too bad it's too like it's too, obvious. it's too bad to be a burner. It's too obvious. Nobody likes Eugene Melnick that much. No one does. We that's That's fact. why
0: it has to be that's fact. Eugene.
1: And by the way, fucking interjection <laughs> on uh, the facts, because I wanna get the facts straight on this podcast always. Facts Larry are- O'Brien was the mayor of Ottawa. Larry O'Brien Boom, Boom. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah,
0: but listen, I didn't chirp you about the Larry O'B. You chirped yourself because you said I, Larry I, O'Brien, and I, I you're just like,
1: wait. I'm like, why am I thinking that? And I was like, I was watching Last Dance. I was like, it's probably because I <laughs> I was thinking about the trophy. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I thought it was, it was Larry Jim. O'Brien. I thought it was I Jim thought O'Brien. about it after, and and like the wheels started turning, and then I was like, no shit, it was.
0: So then I was getting Jim Watson and Larry O'Brien there, mixed mi- mixed up. up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well. No more Larry OB talk here on the Pucks and Deep podcast.
1: Absolutely not. So we talked about how Ottawa went all the way down, and now they're starting to build back up. But we mentioned it earlier, but a team that's apparently on a teardown right now is the Chicago Blackhawks because they officially came out with a statement today from Stanny Bowman himself saying that they're done. This is it. It's rebuild time here in Chicago.
0: I like how you said apparently because that word is the way Jonathan Taves must be feeling. Man, Jonathan. apparently we're rebuilding honey. He Did you seemed hear
1: very thrown off by this? And I'm sure um, you hockey fans out there would have heard this story recently, <coughs> but it came to a bit of a surprise as to the direction that the Chicago Blackhawks chose to take. Uh, and he seemed very frustrated by that. And I can't blame him. I mean, Jonathan Taves is a winner. All he's done is win throughout his hockey career. And, and all he does,
0: all he wants to do is win. Exactly. He made that very clear.
1: So he can't be on board for this, right?
0: Well, I'm not sure. I mean, apparently both sides have indicated that the the, the plan, pardon me, is not to move on. But, I mean, that's today. That's October 20th. So we'll we'll see what happens down the road. But... You know, you mentioned about the release from, from Bowman. Let me read a little bit for you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you know, I'll read a little bit here for you because there's some pretty important things in here that we should touch on before we move on. So it's a message to Blackhawks fans. We recently said goodbye to a pair of popular two-time champions and acquired some new players via trade and free agency. We understand it was tough to see those respected veterans go and realize that you may have some questions about our, di- about our direction. We'd like to address that direction and share why we're hopeful for the future of Blackhawks hockey. We are committed to developing young players and rebuilding our roster. We want more than another window to win. We want to reach the summit again and stay there. An effort that will require a stockpile of emerging talent to complement our top players. The influx of youth and their progression will provide roster flexibility and depth throughout our lineup. What are you taking away big time out of that one?
1: Two things. One, they're in a major cap jam. That much is obvious. That's been obvious for quite some time now. Number two, they're fucking rebuilding. Like they are rebuilding, but they put a lot of lipstick on it.
0: My biggest takeaway is While I appreciate what they're trying to say, Lesko, I don't know how you can get me on board, excuse me, as a fan, when I know that, okay, great, you want to stockpile draft picks and fucking get a bunch of great young superstar talent. How are we gonna keep them all? The salary cap is literally built, if not on purpose, it's accidentally built to fuck you over if you draft well. Oh you oh you have a great drafting system? Good for you. Time to say goodbye to some of your great That's draft. Right. It already <laughs> happened to them. It, it's happened to them. It's happened to multiple teams uh, since them that have won. You know, I mean, when they won their cup years ago, they started tearing down the minute after the cup. The first cup, like yeah, after the first cup, they took it into the dressing room and then they traded everybody, and that was just the way it had to be. And they were able to stay at they, you know, as per their statement, they were able to stay at the summit, so to speak, but it wasn't for very long. And we've talked about this before, Lesko. Sports, they rotate. You spend time at the top, you spend time at the bottom. Not everyone that spends time at the bottom is guaranteed to reach the top, but that's that's how it is these days. I think
1: that's a major flaw in the business model currently as it sits with major pro sports is that – Teams are rewarded for bottoming out, but not every team can survive that bottom out. Yes, good okay? point. Like yeah, There are point. plenty of teams that would love to just tear it all down and go to the basement, but they can't afford that. There's teams in the NHL that we can name off for sure that can't afford that. I mean, they have to find a way to at least stay in that you know middle ground to keep a few bots in the seats and eyes on the television sets.
0: I just, I think it's interesting. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time here on the Hawks. It, it is what it is. They, they announced it. They're rebuilding. It was only a few days ago that Jonathan Taves said, I had no fucking clue. You know, he's the captain of the team. Uh, the guy wants to win. He still has years left. And I there's mean-
1: a guy keeping the loop. Like if, yeah. I'm, if I'm management, I'm keeping that guy in the loop <laughs> and they be. had to know that he would push back against it or perhaps had previously pushed back against it.
0: So is he on board with this message?
1: I, I'm not entirely sure he is. Is because, he? So it was the sod trade, right? That spawned all this, which I thought was interesting. Cause what's it? The third time they traded that guy. Yeah. And you know, they already, so. they already screwed up the first time by doing it to get him back, uh, or sorry, I guess the second time he was involved in trade because they, they <laughs> traded Pernarin for him. Yes. Big time fuck up. Big time. Yeah. So they they bring him back and then doesn't do as much for them. And I believe that they traded him again, did they not?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, point is they've, they've got work to do. And- I mean, they
1: brought in defenseman that helps them out. But it was interesting that that's what triggered this because I feel like that PR statement is in response to, to Taves? No, to the fans. Oh, the to the outrage fans? outrage over the Sod trade. And that letter sounded like it traded the Taves and Kane. They didn't. trade They fucking Sod, <laughs> who they brought back again and didn't quite give them what they were looking for. So I don't blame them for trading him, but it seems to have sent a message to the fans, and in letting Corey Crawford walk, has also sent a message to the fans that... They're folding it up and they're ready to tear it down.
0: One of my biggest takeaways is, and again, we said, you know, I wasn't going to read the whole thing and I didn't, um, but you know, it's, it's over four paragraphs long and just quickly, you know, just skimming over it, let's go. They make mention of the youth and the future six times, like once or twice per paragraph is how often they mention the youth and the future and our young players, So, I mean, geez, man, like, does it not seem inevitable that they're going to be moving on from the likes of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook? Like, those guys carry hefty price tags, but if you're going to move them, you're going to move them for futures. And I could only imagine the boatload of assets and futures that they could get for especially Patrick Kane, I think, more more than the rest.
1: Patrick Kane, obviously, but those are... Difficult contracts. To oh, move. very, very difficult. Well, you'd be
0: retaining, right?
1: Oh, and I mean, I, I, I'm very certain that they have already tried to move Seabrook and have not been successful in doing so.
0: Okay, yeah, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair assumption to be you know, honest. some
1: of those it's contracts you can't move and in today's economy. Yeah, today's economy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: End of story.
1: I mean, let's get into today's economy. Right now in the NHL, uh, we just came off the free agent frenzy. Not much of a frenzy this year, right?
0: Uh, Not so much, no. I mean, for goalies, it was.
1: Yeah, goalies, it was, the uh, goalie it market was a good was pretty day. Sweet. The goalie market was hot. Goalies got paid. Lots of them who dispersed two new teams throughout the NHL. Most notably, as we mentioned earlier, King Henrik mm-hmm. finding a new home with the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, Jacob Markstrom Oh, big time heading moves. up into Calgary, which um, they're one of my big winners of free agency. And for that reason, almost alone. I know they lost TJ Brody to the Maple Leafs, but... Ooh bringing in Ooh. Jacob Markstrom and being a bit of a dark horse in that race because if I recall, Edmonton was the favorite and I was actually betting on free agents this past free agency. <laughs> were you? Yeah. You degenerate. Had, I know, right? <laughs> and I, I think the only one I eventually got right, I had... Uh, no, I got it on... I hit on Markstrom and I hit on Barry to Edmonton.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah. What were the payouts like, if you don't mind yeah, my asking? A like, lot of the
1: odds, like... Pretty good? Pretty good. Like plus 400, plus 500. Yeah. Nice. Decent odds.
0: Okay. Right on. Yeah. For me, I thought that the goalie movement was pretty sweet and it happened early. Okay. It was almost like when you're drafting a fantasy pool and someone picks a goalie in the third round
1: and then everyone picks a goalie. Everyone's like, I got to get my goalie Goalie run. Oh, fuck
0: the goalie run. You know, it was almost like that where all of a sudden all these goalies were moving teams and they weren't re-upping with their same team. It was Holpe going to Vancouver. It was fucking Murray going over to Ottawa. You know, it was Markstrom going to fucking Vancouver. Or, sorry, Markstrom going to Calgary. Like, it, it was almost crazy. Mike Smith goes back to Edmonton. Like, what
1: the fuck? And one of the guys we hyped up the most, I believe, in the previous show was uh, Letnin, who ended up staying in Dallas.
0: Uh yes or Kudobin Kudobin yeah right? Kudobin yeah, Sorry. Kudobin. yeah Why that's did right. I think of
1: Kerry Laddin. I
0: don't know, but um, he did play for Dallas. So yeah, I'm not completely out yeah. <laughs> of Yeah, like twelve years ago. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, actually, you know, it's funny that you bring up Kudobin because I couldn't have fucked up any more than I did on the previous podcast when I confirmed that he mm-hmm. was uh a UFA, which you agreed to. I played back our episode. Oh shit, I agree. No, right. no, you were right. He was a UFA. Oh, but. I thought he had another year. And that's why I was, last episode, I was like kind of thinking, well, if everyone's mad at Freddie, then I mean, maybe we could swing some sort of deal with Dallas and bring fucking Kudobin in for the final year of his deal. He just made it to the cup final.
1: So we were having discussions. We, I was having, yeah. We, with each other where we neither of us had the facts straight. <laughs> no, I had the no, facts straight. You, you,
0: you had the facts straight. I didn't, but you were not agreeing with me, but you were entertaining my. My, my, my conversation. So I humored
1: you. But I, and it, I, it sounds like I didn't even clue in that you were way out to lunch. <laughs> no, you didn't. I didn't save you when I had a chance.
0: You did. You had a chance to save me, but you didn't. Well, but, anyways. I apologize for that. Moving right along. Of course, I had to bring it up. I mean, you know, we're very humble here on the Pucks and D podcast. Episode 68, by the way. And, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody for tuning in on a regular basis. Um, we haven't recorded. In a while, at this time of the year, it's a bit of a tough time of year for Too much shit For us. There's a lot of shit going on. Our fucking dues for SoundCloud are due, and we have to pay for that. going to pay for bills. Le- Lesko's mic broke, and we had to buy him a new headset. Are you still liking that headset? You sound great.
1: Well, I I can stand up, I can sit down, I can do whatever I want. It's fantastic. I see
0: you. you're you're really pulling off some activities over there. So I'm anyway, feeling
1: limber over here.
0: Uh, the reason for my rant there was to thank all the listeners. Um, you know, if you're really feeling up for it, guys and gals out there. Maybe tell a friend about the fucking podcast. Maybe share it Maybe on like your it, social. Subscribe it. Maybe subscribe. Just admit to people you know, that you listen to it. Yeah, them, okay? I listen to a podcast, and it's pretty good. We've got some guests coming up. We're going to bring Jake Hahn, Serious NHL Network Radio Channel 91. Uh, we're going to bring Jake on. We're going to talk to Jake about the offseason. We're going to bring Tyler back on over the next couple of weeks. And I'm still only teasing our uh, our mid-November guest, but we do have a guest booked um, for mid early November. And you guys are definitely going to want to tune in for that. It's going to be a fucking great show. So we're we're definitely taking off here and, uh, yeah, buy some fucking hoodies, buy some merch. Okay. Head down to the CTC, (laughs) head down to the CTC and buy some merch. And by CTC, I mean, Gallant media, uh, because Gallant media is our producer of merch, uh, and he's an absolute beauty. Uh, Let's go. Earlier, before we started firing up the show, you were asking me how much money we had in our bank account. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but the good news, <laughs> the good news is that we're definitely plus. Okay? okay. That's good. We're definitely plus. Good to know. Good to so, know.
1: So, uh. Well, you should tell SoundCloud that there's a few dollars in the bank. Okay. I get will. paid eventually. Will.
0: We're recording right now and I might not even be able to upload
1: this. Well, I sure hope we can. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Back over to the free agency period. Moving on. Right now. Who are your winners and who are your losers?
0: Teams or just anyone?
1: Anyone. Anyway, okay. So
0: the number one winner has to be Alex Petrangelo. Okay,
1: he got his deal. He got his
0: deal. And and if I wasn't saying the number one winner as Alex Petrangelo, I might have said Jack or uh, Jack Eichel. Actually, he's a winner too. That's I might have. I might have said Taylor Hall.
1: Yeah, Jack Eichel might be a bigger winner than Taylor. Eichel's Hall. a great. Taylor winner. Taylor Hall has to play in Buffalo. Jack Eichel was already playing in Buffalo. <laughs> he's fucking stuck there, and now he's got Taylor Hall playing on his mind. That's amazing. I think you're. I think you were right the first time.
0: Okay, okay, but yeah, I will say that Petro is the biggest winner. I mean, the guy gets seven times eight point eight. They're going to be paying him eight point eight when he forgets that off the window is a good play. Like right. later, Vegas is
1: all in right you now. You know, right? like
0: they they're going to be regretting that that contract towards the end. I think, and that's no sl- uh, sl- uh, slouch or slight. To Alex Petrangelo. I just think that that's the reality that we're in. He's going to decline.
1: Thirty for an eight-year, seven-year deal. Sorry, seven-year deal. He's going to decline. That's a high risk, regardless of who the player is.
0: Yeah, so I would say he's a winner for me. I would say that the Vegas Golden Knights are obviously a winner for me. I know they lose Nate Schmidt. a a bit of collateral damage as a result of signing Petrangelo. But anytime you get that coveted free agent, I think that you have to be identified as a winner. Would you not agree?
1: Absolutely. We talk about the biggest fish in free agency all the time, and it was clearly Alex Petrangelo this time. So here Vegas does. And everyone, I always laughed when I heard that Vegas is in on this guy. Vegas is in on everybody. How? They were maxed out on the cap, and they're over the cap currently. But what do they do? They, they the uh, I guess the uh, precursor to this deal was them letting Stastny go. Right. And then the next move was obviously trading Nate Smith for peanuts on the dollar. I mean, they trade him for, uh, what, third-round draft pick. I mean, a lot of teams probably pissed oh, off. Oh, man, I know. Thinking that they should have scooped him up.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes you only get the deals that are presented to you.
1: Yeah. And right? also, might as well tack this on to the Petrangelo call, conversation, but all you Maple Leaf fans out there who spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out how Petrangelo could make his way to the Leafs, I'm looking at one of the guys right here. But <laughs> I you wanted wa- it. You'll waste a lot of your fucking time. Yeah, but that's Like okay. I said, I mean, it sounded like the Leafs were potentially close in that they had conversations with him. But it to me, it doesn't look like it was close at all.
0: Oh, bro, you're incorrect. They were extremely close. I heard Mark Savard on, fuck, what podcast is it called? Who cares? It's not our podcast. He was on a podcast, a Leaf-related podcast. He was on just the other day. And Mark Savard was the assistant of the St. Louis Blues for the last couple of years. Two years, I think, so he maybe? he got sources. He has sources. They asked him, was it actually ever really a thing? Or was it just media-driven? And he said it was very much a thing. Well, Petrangelo had the Leafs on his short list. It just didn't happen.
1: I just just don't think it was close to happening. I believe you, and I believe what Mark Savard is saying there, in that the Maple Leafs were absolutely on his list, and by all accounts, they were. But was it realistic at this time for the Maple Leafs to make that move? Absolutely not.
0: So what I want to interject with quickly there is I love the fact, like I was the, I was one of the biggest proponents for, for, for Kyle Dubas to like be selfish in this instance, be, be selfish, Kyle, do, do what's good for the team now and worry about later, later. Like, I was, I wanted that to happen.
1: Oh, and, and he, he's definitely in that mode.
0: But now that it didn't, okay, and we and we didn't get Petrangelo, and he goes and signs in Vegas for 8.8, I'm realizing now that for sure it would not have actually been the right play. Did I want Petrangelo? Absolutely. Am I upset that we got TJ Brody instead? No, I, I don't think it's that much of a big deal. You know what I mean? If it was Alex Petrangelo or Dylan DeMello... Or nothing? Then I'm not then very happy. Best.
1: But... At least, are you recognizing my point though about how it really wasn't that close? Like,
0: ultimately, yes, clear, the numbers. It just
1: it didn't work out. Yeah, I would say it didn't. He might have wanted to come here really badly. It might have been his first choice, but the main place probably looked at and it went, it "Just it doesn't work out." Yeah. We could, as I mentioned previously, you could sign four guys for that, and they pretty much did. Yeah, you're That's right. That's the amazing part. Yeah, no, you're is right. They almost they pretty much did, considering the. I guess the theme of the Leafs free agency period here is buy low and value contracts.
0: Well, I mean, if he was going to come home, it was going to be because he took a forty-seven percent like discount,
1: like a big time, (laughs) like a
0: fifty percent discount, like. Like You got got 8.8 for seven. Like we we, we can give you seven. Sure. But it's only going to be (laughs) 4.9. Like there's just no way he There's just no way he was never going to come. You're right. Everybody's right. I'm okay with being wrong. You know, back, back, if I put myself back in those shoes, I'll do it all over again. Because I'm that type of fan that just wants to fucking push forward and get these amazing things. Let like these amazing things happen for us. You know, like when Taveras came, I was the exact same. When Babcock came, I was also the same. Everyone was saying, it's not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. I was going, different. They had money to I'm going, you know what, though? Here's why it will happen. Because of this, that, and the other thing, and then you know, sure enough, turns out to be right. Babcock wanted that challenge to to coach in Toronto and and be the guy to bring a cup home. Isn't that so, the,
1: isn't that the beauty of being a Leaf fan, though?
0: Well, yeah, you uh, don't
1: stop believing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Very good.
0: Very good. Okay, yeah. So uh, those are my winners. Oh, I actually also wanted to say that um, I had Vancouver uh, in my list as uh, as winners as well. Uh, I thought that grabbing Holpe. Uh, At two times, 4.3 was a a real nice signing. They lose Markstrom, yes, uh, but losing Markstrom was imperative because if they kept Markstrom, then they were definitely going to lose Demko to the expansion draft. So losing Markstrom was unfortunately a necessary evil. I thought they did a really good job recovering from that by grabbing Holtby, Recent Stanley Cup champion, available as a two-goalie ta- a two goalie tandem with Demko. I think it's going to be a great thing out there. Uh, and then obviously landing Schmidt. Uh, Schmidt as the collateral damage from the Vegas uh, Petrangelo signing. Schmidt comes in for a third rounder. Uh, you know, I think Vancouver uh, did a really good job in the offseason as well. Apparently, you have other
1: thoughts. Well, I, b- I believe they're losers in free agency, Josh, and I'll tell you why. I absolutely agree with you. The Holtby is a good fit for them in the Demco situation. Um, it's a great addition, a great contract, too, on two years. You know, the only thing that worries me is Holtby is not the Holtby we saw win the Stanley Cup. Fair. And the other portion of that, and obviously the Smith, again— absolutely beauty of a pickup. Fuck, I wish he was playing for the Leafs. I know. But I just feel like they're losers at the end of the day because I feel like they got worse. Tyler Toffoli walked. It seemed that they were so focused on trying to get OEL from the Coyotes (laughs) that they lost focus on signing the people who are important to them and who helped them succeed this past season. And Markstrom was a big part of that. So I feel like retaining Markstrom would have been good. I understand with the situation that they didn't want to afford the term and they didn't want to form, uh, afford the dollars that he was asking for but I just feel like they're not better today than they were at the end of last season.
0: Okay, I I I can I can I can get on board with that. I don't necessarily think that I don't think that being a winner on free agent day necessarily means that you must be a better team.
1: It fucking doesn't mean shit because I mean at the end of the day at the end of free agency day or free agency week, I guess in this case, before a lot of the dust settled. Right. I mean, we always put up the list of who we think did good, who we didn't, but you know who we, when we have the answers, like February, March.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But like what I'm just replaying what I said out loud. It really sounds like it doesn't make much sense. How can you be described as a winner if your team isn't any better? And I don't think that that's a very common thing. I think it's a very rare thing. And I think that it's really only applicable to the Vancouver Canucks. And I think the only reason why it is applicable is specifically Thatcher Demco. Right. Specifically. They because they made the right they move, move in protecting
1: him. They need him. He's the future. And they also end up with Schmidt, who is a, you know, he's still... Pretty young, if and I recall.
0: and Holtby is nothing to sniff at after the fact either. I know he's not, you know, sixty-one game starter, or Stanley Cup champion, Braden Holtby. But he's also, but like at the very least, Lesko, he's going to be good for a tandem duo. he will be a
1: serviceable with Dempo tandem.
0: And like you said, they didn't, they didn't give him stupid term, right? They gave him two years. It's almost like a prove I like it. to think
1: that Jim Banning learned his lesson with the uh, Beagle and Erickson deals, as far as, far as term goes. <laughs> oh my god! Because they Erickson wouldn't be deal. ultimately, they would not be in this situation if it weren't for those two brutal fucking contracts. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like they right. screwed themselves with those contracts.
0: That should be a segment that we do sometime on the pod. Is look look over some of the teams and just look at their absolute gong show deals.
1: There's not as many as there used to be, but there's still there's still quite a few. And as early as last seat or last year's free agent frenzy, and we alluded, alluded to that earlier. Whereas this year was very quiet. I mean, as far as a spectator sport, there wasn't a hell of a lot going on. Uh, come 12 o'clock on free agent day.
0: All right. um, Do you want to give me your winners?
1: My, My main winners are the Ottawa Senators... And I'm going to say just because, and I, well, I'm going to reiterate my point from earlier. It's the fact that they're finally turning that corner. I guess Ottawa Centers fans are the real winners here because they get to see the team's trajectory hopefully start going up Mm -hmm. instead of going down. There's no, they're done tearing down. Yeah, they might bottom out again this season, but at least they're making valuable additions to that team and have added talent to be excited about. Um, My other, my other, um,
0: we'll see what happens when they need contracts.
1: Yeah. My other losers, though, I want to get into losers here just really quick. And my first loser, and it's interesting because I, I don't know if I've ever called them losers on the show, but the Boston Bruins. Yes, okay. I agree. How in the world did they not re-sign Tory Krug? Okay. And winners to St. Louis, because they did not wait for Petro to make his announcement, <laughs> they went and signed Tory Krug, yeah, a you. younger top-line defenseman. Yeah. Okay? Great move for them. It was. But – Boston Bruins, to sit there and get—I feel like they got so caught up in the OEL thing that they, they forgot about what was on their doorstep, and that's Torrey Krug, a guy who has outperformed OEL in almost every metric over the past couple of seasons.
0: So let me ask you then, I agree with you on your Bruins losers. Would you agree with me that Arizona are losers?
1: absolutely
0: so would you agree with me maybe when i say that because of those two fucking teams they're losers because of each other you're almost right because they spent too much time on this oel thing and 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 arizona completely fucked the dog they lose taylor hall after trading a first and a second to get him. nice rental okay Vinny Hinnestroza making a name for himself
1: this year they let him walk
0: they let him walk he was like 46 percent owned in fantasy halfway through the season that's an indication of a guy that's getting it done
1: somebody tells me though no one in the front office is looking at his fantasy (laughs) ownership. I know that
0: I'm just saying when you see a guy owned in that magnitude he's doing well right he must be doing well okay they leave leave him I
1: don't know what they're doing like I feel like I at first I thought it's a fire sale and they're trying to undo Chega's messes, but then they don't trade OEL and they don't manage to even trade Taylor Hall's rights?
0: They had a window. They had a window where Oliver Ekman Larson said, trade me right fucking now. And they
1: couldn't get it done.
0: And they couldn't get it done. Were they were they did they have the fucking blinders on? For the Boston Bruins and the Boston Bruins only, like what? I, I I need to know what happened. I need to know what happened because not moving on from him is ridiculous. And when you look at their fucking lineup, like when you look at their cap friendly, it is hot
1: garbage. They're in nowhere. They're they've in been nowhere. in no man's land. For Austin years. Matthews Nothing's can't changed. wait
0: to go play there.
1: Like they've been in they've been <laughs> in mean, no like... man's land for years at this point, and it just. They've drafted well, I feel like, and it just feels like they've either underdeveloped or mismanaged talent constantly, and here they are at this turning point where they seem to be straddling the line between tearing it down or keeping it together. Last season, it looked like they were keeping it together. This year, they look like they're tearing it down, and OEL was apparently going to be a big part of that, and it didn't happen. So it looks like they're stuck with him and he's going to ride it out. What a waste of a career.
0: Their projected cap space is zero.
1: And that's the other fucked up part. You know what else Who is, is- making all that money?
0: You know what else is zero? The number of first round draft picks they have this year. Mm. Like, what are they even going to do?
1: I don't know, but it's a job that I'm. I wouldn't apply for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're right.
0: You're fucking right. All right, let's keep a move on here. John
1: Jacob probably couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Clearly not. Oh, my God.
0: I'm looking at this cap friendly, and it's just not good. It's not good. I mean, you got OEL makes 8.25 all the way until 2027. Like... The fact that they didn't move him at age 29 during the window is just unbelievable. But in the same sense, he'll move it. They like, figure, he'll waive no his move. no move.
1: Well, he especially if they're going to bottom out again for, I don't know, like the fucking sixth time in the last six years, I feel like. I, I don't know. Which, oh, I can't man. follow what's going on there because there's no cohesive plan. Like, guess how
0: much Clayton Keller makes?
1: I don't know. $6
0: point one five.
1: Wow. How many goals did he score last year? How many goals did he score last year? I don't know. I don't know or care.
0: (laughs) He makes 7.15 all the way until 2027.
1: Well, what do you say we get out of the pressure cooker and go in to the oven?
0: Are we going Leafs?
1: We're going Leafs.
0: Yeah! Holy mackinac. It it was
1: such a chore to get here, I feel like. It is a
0: chore to get here. But we're here, and we have, like, I'm going to say a half hour tops.
1: Yeah, you th- you think that? Well, I mean, we're already an hour th- 36. No. Yes. We're going for world records. We might be
0: going for world record. We should call Cody Jacobs while we're here mm. and get him on because like
1: we need another <laughs> half hour or something. <laughs> did you see him chirping us on Twitter today? I did. I absolutely did. He's
0: like, "Hey, I want you guys to work with me." I'm like, "Bro, you you're not even allowed on the on the podcast until episode 81." <laughs> So he sends me a picture of Phil Kessel, and then he sent me another picture of uh, Terrell Owens wearing number 81. So, I mean, it's basically already in stone. Cody Jacobs, friend of the show, Leaf insider. I mean, this guy, man, we almost could have had him on to talk Leaf stuff because, fuck, I had to go ask him a couple questions before we came on the podcast. We'll get him
1: to give a redux top to bottom on the draft next time he's on the show. But I guess that's where we're going to start. We did hit on Amirov a little bit earlier in the show, uh, talking about that first-round pick by the Maple Leafs. But really what the story has been is the free agency for the Leafs. Very quiet on draft day, not a lot of movement with the, in terms of their roster, but wow, I mean, can you remember a Leafs offseason that has been this momentous or with this much movement in the last several years?
0: Um, I, I'm sure we've had lots of movement in, in in recent years, but not as impactful. Like not as not as significant, not not as important to you know, getting over a goddamn hump, a proverbial hump.
1: I can't remember the last time they made more than two free agent signings. Like it, it I don't know. They've they've done a lot in I the can't last help you. couple of weeks. And not only have they remade the bottom six of the lineup they've also completely changed the dynamic on the back end
0: yes i mean we we bring in a number one defenseman uh, a a partner for morgan riley i mean this guy he's got to be he's got to just be happier than a pig in shit right now like he's finally got a partner
1: yeah absolutely i mean The whole career, if you if you look at the amount of minutes played by Morgan Riley with the guys he's played with over the years, he has not had a real number one partner. And you know, we all figured maybe last year that would have been Tyson Berry at times, but TJ Brody is by far the best defenseman skill wise that Morgan Riley has had to play with throughout his entire career. Yes,
0: ever. He he may have had better partners when he played in the dub.
1: <laughs> like, Quite possible.
0: <laughs> I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't mean that. I'm just joking. Like, obviously, an NHL player is better than a fucking junior player. But, like, as far as it relates to his ability to go out on the ice and do what he does best and just you know, be comfortable with his partner. I feel like the, the the best version that we've ever seen was was when he was paired with Ron Hainsey.
1: At least he felt safe out there. I guess. Like I he guess. felt comfortable. Like he didn't have to do it all necessarily. No, and that's why... someone was backing him up.
0: And that's why I say that might have been the best that we've ever seen him,
1: yeah. was when he was with so Ron So how Hainsey. do you feel overall on the whole right now about the performance of the Toronto Maple Leafs during the free agency period,
0: if I'm grading, I, I, I can't get into the A's because I don't want bias to be at the forefront. So I'm going to go with a strong, strong B plus. Yeah,
1: but he really means A. But I
0: really mean A minus though. I don't, I don't want to do A A plus because that's just jerking them off here, and we don't know. Okay, on paper it looks like we've addressed uh certain areas that required addressing but we won't know how it translates until we see it on the ice absolutely but god damn it let i mean come on like with the the moves that he's made like this guy is gonna go down as a fucking all-timer he's well how old is he 34 is he 34
1: D- we talking do dubis.
0: I think he's 34. It's well, ridiculous. we not going to
1: talk about where he's I'm going. I'm turning tell 34. We've seen what they've done,
0: right? Like I'm turning 34. This guy's 34 years old, and he's he's gonna be an all timer if this hits. If what he's done in this off season hits, he will be an all timer because it will be a direct result of him actually changing his view, or or maybe not changing it, but you know, like amending it or editing his view slightly changing his view to accommodate what the masses have wanted and let's be clear i don't mean that he did this just to accommodate the masses i just believe that he kind of agrees with the masses after a couple years of disagreeing and saying no we can do it this way he has now agreed much the same as shanahan and the ownership did not agree with moving on from Mike Babcock until it became too late. So same idea. Hmm. Dubas didn't agree with changing his vision until it was too late. Hmm. And, and it being too late was you know last year. And I know COVID was fucked up and, and all this other stuff, but, but, but we still should have beat Columbus. If you're a fucking contending team and you think that you're ready to go, then you need to beat Columbus. And you didn't. So it was too late and it's too late to change your vision then, but it's not too late to change your vision now because you do still have the core and I know questions are coming up about Freddie. I was asking them you myself. Are, you're, sorry, okay. you give me
1: way too much to unpack here.
0: Well, sorry, I'm just fucking going off here. But at the end of the day, I think he's going with like one more kick at the can with all of the fucking core pieces that I have with you know, addressing the toughness and the depth and all this stuff, and all the good value contracts that he's signing. This is the last kick at the can. Otherwise, I think someone big has to go if no. it fails again. So I,
1: I I really find it troubling that you phrase it as one more kick at the can. Like somehow this is some kind of hail mary last minute attempt from Dubis here to save his career. No, I mean as a like,
0: re- no, I mean as it relates to moving out one of the big contracts.
1: I I so all right. You, like I said, you gave me a lot to unpack right there in, in everything you said. But the way I gather it is it's less about Kyle Dubas necessarily changing his vision, but figuring out what the team actually needs. And I hate to say it, but probably if you rewind a year and a half ago back on the Pucks and Deep podcast, there was a serious conversation that went on here about roster construction and talking about ha- them having too many of the same types of players. mm mm-hmm. Right? It's great that you have lots of speed and skill. But if the on the bottom six, if they're not gonna score and they ain't hitting either, they're not doing a whole hell of a lot. And we so saw what that. have they done and what have they addressed in free agency? Okay, they've gotten bigger, they've gotten tougher, but they didn't sacrifice any skill. Did they sacrifice speed? Absolutely. Yep. Did they sacrifice youth? Absolutely. But really what it comes down to from a business standpoint is that they sacrifice cap space to get a little older, a little smarter, a little more experienced, and a hell of a lot tougher. And for me as a fan and as somebody who had been increasingly frustrated with the lack of jam sometimes on this Maple Leaf team from night to night, I'm pretty happy with the moves that have been made not looking for any places to complain like some people we might have talked about earlier in the show. Right. But I don't think it's so much of a changing of the heart as so much of gaining more control for Dubis over the team because that was the narrative last year, right? We talked about how this is Dubas' team. This is Dubas' team. Absolutely. But last free agency, there wasn't the opportunity there was this time around.
0: No, I see, and I think if we if we play some of the episodes back, I I hope I said this, but <laughs> I, I I think while I said that it was Dubis's team, there was still things that he had to do to get out of some of the shit that he inherited. Okay, and now that's all done. Like it's all done. Can you? Can but he you? also
1: had to make some undos of his own.
0: I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying that we, he's done. We had an undo perfectly. on
1: Cap and we had an undo on Johnson, and yeah. that was for cap reasons. And they were expecting the cap to go up, but the way they spent that cap, I think, is reflective of just him finally getting control of this team. Okay, so. He discovered this past season, for example, that coaching was not the only issue with this team. They were 15 hours away from meeting Zach Bogosian to bring him in for help towards the end of the year because he had been bought out by Buffalo. So as a f- unrestricted free agent. And they canceled that meeting. You know when they canceled it? After they lost to their fucking equipment guy, Zamboni dude, David Ayers. Right. Right? So They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. And he went, this is not just a fucking piece or two away type team here. Wholesale changes are needed. And the other thing that really stuck with me from that period of time during the Maple Leaf season was Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson both saying some guys around here in in a post-game interview. Talking about attitude. Talking about not basically not giving a shit. They've changed the culture in this dressing room, which I think is a huge intangible target of not just the the team but management themselves and on top of that it's also them just addressing that need of toughness and recognizing what has still it still continues to be successful in the NHL playoffs
0: so if if you if you asked me right now who I thought you know that who I thought those Matthews comments may have been directed at. I'm going to tell you Kapanen for sure. And wow. I'm going to tell you Tyson Berry, especially after I see Tyson Berry's comments after leaving Toronto. Which were? Which were, it was a tough place to play. I didn't like it. Too
1: tough. Too How tough. Was now, everybody immediately uh, looked at the fans and said, Oh my God, this is an indictment on the media and the fans in Toronto. Or was it an indictment on him?
0: Yeah, pack your shit and get the fuck out then, because Austin (laughs) Matthews can score
1: 50. Yeah, apparently he doesn't think it's. Now, I know he's
0: like a really, really, really good player, like, you know, leaning on generational maybe, depending on who you talk to. But at the same time, Tyson Berry was highly touted as an offensive, you know, power play, running, joining the rush whenever he fucking wants. Like, he he looked lost his entire time in the blue and white, and now he's gonna head off to Edmonton, and he can't wait to play with the likes of McDavid and Drysital and all their star power. Well, did you not just fucking play with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares yeah. and fucking William Nylander there, chump? Yeah, like a,
1: that's an easy point to make. Like on come him, on, right? man,
0: and I'm not telling. Ta- fucking relax, everyone in your vehicles right now. Oh, yeah, McDavid and Matthews are real comparable. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the front loading of the teams is pretty comparable.
1: It's not as if he had didn't ha- was lacking the opportunity to play with talent. He bounced from exactly. Colorado to Toronto, and now it's going to Oh, Everton. yeah, good point. He's yeah. playing in, with some of the best stars in the game for the last three seasons. I didn't
0: even make that correlation. Yeah, he yeah. leaves fucking McKinnon and Landeskog and heads over to Matthews. And but let's not,
1: let's not get too hung up on Tyson Berry. And Fuck guys. you. Guys who did play for the Maple Leafs. Let's look at what's coming down the pipeline all right, all right. here. Okay, Like Jimmy VC. Um, now we I, I I took a crack and we both took cracks and then edited over each other's uh, where we stand in terms of depth chart lineup, what it's going to look like. Okay, we know it's going to be high Matthews, Marner. Um, we assume it's going to be Tavares, Nylander, and potentially Mikhaev might get that opportunity again. Yeah, didn't really work out towards the end of last year. Um, we also have. VC Kerfoot, and Simmons penciling in on a third line, and Engvall, Thornton, and Spets on a fourth line, with the Spares being the newly signed Barabanov, Robertson, who we really don't know what's going to happen to him, and uh, recently acquired Joey Anderson.
0: Yeah, so I see you have Engvall on four. I think Engvall is, uh, I don't know how many games he has to play. I think it's somewhere in the late 20s. I think he might have to play 29 games. The reason why I'm talking about him having to play 29 games is to become expansion eligible. So I think Engvall is one of our guys that we're going to dangle for the expansion draft. We have to have a certain amount of guys that have played a certain amount of games. I don't know exactly what it is, and I'm not going to bore you trying to find it. But the point of the matter is there are certain players on this team that I believe that we have signed Okay, that are going to be eligible to just dangle them for the right. expansion draft and not have to worry about losing another another player.
1: And they have quite a few guys who fall into that category, <clears throat> and they've really seemed to like. I have a feeling the Maple Leafs are banking on expanded rosters, yes, in the comeback, 100%. as well as potentially expanded AHL rosters with the science, because it still seems that they're. I, I, one of the themes that came up in our previous conversations about the Leafs and their uh, af- them after free agency is depth. Like, I don't know, looking at this gluttony of players, what the bottom six is even going to look like. And uh, let's be honest, that's where all the change has been. And that left side be- beside Taveras and Nylander feels like it's wide open, and we could see a rotating cast of characters playing there throughout the season. It
0: could be. I mean, uh, to be honest, if you... I would say at this point that it it, it is McKeever's position to lose. Like I think coming into camp, like
1: as a as a, um, you know, having already played for the team. Yeah, like he's there. I yeah. think he's
0: there. But if someone comes in, like if VC is just on fire and he's got uh, you know a resurgence of his NHL career in mind, he can do that here, Lesko. I don't think he can revive his NHL career in very many markets outside of right here. Because right here, he'll be playing on a third line potentially, maybe even bumping up into a top six role because he can score. Yeah. He is a good player. Hockey player.
1: He's, he's proven to be a good net front presence and a guy who can, he's got a nose for the net and can dude, shoot the puck.
0: Dude, at one point, 29 teams were interested.
1: Yeah, and, and let's if you look at his stats, that's the interesting thing. Like they got him at what, 900,000? <clears throat> yeah. And he, they're talking about him like he's a reclamation project, project. He scored what, 17, 18, 19 goals in his first three years in the NHL, had an off year with Buffalo. So it's a very interesting signing, and I wonder how many players they dangled that second-line left-wing slot in front of by saying, like, hey, you know, like, that's attainable for you. Taveris Wayne Nylander. Simmons, this is attainable for you, like, if, if you show us.
0: Yeah. If you, you show us you can play, you go out there and protect William Nylander and stand in front of the fucking net, you could be there.
1: What I think is pretty exciting for the for the team and for the fans this year is that there's a number of players – like I mentioned earlier, they did not sacrifice any skill, really, in these acquisitions. There's plenty of skill there, but there are we're talking a lot of buy low-value contracts here. Um, and, and it also ha- so happens that the Maple Leafs, because of the position of the team and because of the homecomings they were able to attract, <coughs> you're able to get guys at a much better rate. So they've really... There's a lot of potential for value contracts here if guys like Simmons, if guys like Thornton and VC, for example, play to their capabilities and what we can project them to producing.
0: Well, I mean, talking about projections, Joey Anderson, for example. I mean, Dubas is on record as saying that they acquired Joey Anderson with the assumption that he will be in the lineup at 22 years old. He's got a shot to make an impression. That's all I'm going to say. He has a shot to at least make an impression. Can he replace someone like, like VC, Engvall, even, even Spezza, or, and or Joe Thornton, if you're going to rest those guys? Like, we all know that the, the uh, gentleman's agreement between Spezza and the brass was that, hey, I'm not playing any back-to-backs. I think he played one back-to-back and it was important. So he played. But like, He's not going to play back-to-backs. I don't think Joe Thornton's going to play back-to-backs. And I really love your point about the Leafs banking on this 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 taxi squad or this expanded roster. I mean, if there's one thing that COVID can really help us out with... It's, it's that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. With
0: all these value deals that we picked up. And even if they're not, they might not even actually hurt against the cap, but we can carry the likes of Barabanov and Robertson and Engvall and Anderson and just have this rotating core, not core, but have this rotating group of players that are really gritty and tough to play against and create really strong competitiveness in our bottom six, Lesko, which I think has been missing and that, for the better part of the entire duration of this of this core with Matthews and Marner in the gang.
1: And Kyle Dubas would absolutely agree with you because he specifically said that in one of his interviews the other day, that they really wanted to drive some internal competition because now we look at the back end as well for the Maple Leafs and there is a... Again, a bit of a backstop of NHL talent sitting there right now. Like, I again, I tried to trace out the lines today, and I'm really not sure what it's going to look like. Um, just to give you guys an idea of what we've been talking about, Riley Brody, we assume, is first pair. I had Muzzin Hall. On the second pair, just because that worked, and I'm not sure how successful Hall is away from Muzzin at this time in his NHL career.
0: I like that pairing.
1: Um, and then I had Dermot and Bagosian. Dermot is an RFA. I-, I was assuming he was going to get traded, especially after they brought in Brody and Bogosian. Well, he might still,
0: dude. Like That's one thing I don't want to go off on a different topic right now, but Dubas said he's done.
1: He did. And, he can't and be. I th- That was surprising because they have... Mikhaev who's in arbitration right now, which could get anywhere from one million to two and a half million, and if yes. the, if depending on what he gets, they might have to clear cap space accordingly.
0: Well, I mean, you have to imagine it's probably going to be no less than one five.
1: I just right? hope they don't end up in a situation where Dermott and Makayev cost them, say, Makayev, um, for example, or, or sorry, Makayev and Dermott end up costing them. Uh, you know, having to trade Engvall, which probably would be the next guy on the list, or say Kerfoot. Worst case scenario,
0: yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, I've heard a lot of speculation about Kerfoot moving to a wing, uh, moving to a wing position, so that you have Matthews, Tavares, Thornton, Spezza as yeah. you are up the middle. And isn't that crazy, Lesko? That'll be the first time in NHL history where your top three centermen. Are all first, first overall, overall picks. picks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be something else. Like at least one game, Kiefer has to run a lineup with Matthews, Taveras, Thornton as your 1-2-3 uh, centers.
1: Well, let's get away from the speculative and let's get into the personal. Um, are, you, are you happy with Wayne Simmons? Oh, very much so. Oh, hot? very much so. Are you, are you Mo-
0: Sorry, mostly because of his interview and how he's talking himself
1: up. Oh, you have to give some of those quotes because if you haven't heard them, they're absolute gold. <laughs> like the, I can still play,
0: and I'll punch your face off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about all the Leaf fans who are those lunch pail Leaf fans. You know, those those guys who who are, who long for the days of Clark and for the days of Domi and Wade Belak and, mm-hmm. and the old just. That is music to their ears. Hearing a guy like Wayne Simmons, who we know can put up goals. Not saying he's going to score 30 like he used to. He will be an absolutely, absolute beast for you. Who's no, but one he's one of the strongest, he's toughest not a, guys in the league. Yeah,
0: he's not a garbage guy can out there no, absolutely. Like he, he can and, still
1: play and that's one of the things I got to say Shelton Keefe's got to be really excited looking at the tools available to him for that power play dude I am a because the second power play was a drop off of the Leaf for at least two seasons now yeah I and would agree I agree I have to think that they mix it up. They don't go with the beast first unit anymore with the big five out there. And instead they mix it up because you add in a guy like Wayne Simmons and Thornton who can contribute on the power play. We already know Spetsa can contribute there as well. You could end up with a crazy mix of guys coming out and it could change all the time. It's not going to be one and done for the whole season.
0: No, absolutely not. And I think the the options that are available to Sheldon Keith can be described as weapons. Okay, We have weapons, Weapons. which is pretty fucking sick because we've only really had weapons on the first line, on the first power play before. So you're right, the ability to spread it out, maybe even throw Jumbo Joe on the number one unit if it's getting a little stale. I mean, how can you be upset with those problems? But um, I wanted to quickly touch on something you mentioned about Keith being excited about these tools that he's been given. I'd like to point out that I'm a firm believer that Sheldon Keefe has a ton of influence on what kind of players are coming in and and, and going out. No, I I agree totally. I think his fingerprint on the lineup is very, very huge. And I've been saying this for at least a season, maybe almost two seasons now, that no, you know, Lesko, I've been saying for a long time that Keefe needs to coach the team. Now he is coaching the team. My next thing that I kept saying was that Keefe needs a couple players on his lineup that he likes to employ. And the, those players are Wayne Simmons. They are Zach Bogosian. Those are the players. They're not... Super talented, okay? They're not going to lead the league in anything other than maybe penalty minutes. But at the end of the day, it creates the stability and the confidence for your skill to do their skill thing out there and be sexy and not have to worry about looking over your fucking shoulder because you've got a couple of bangers on your squad that will fuck people up for just looking at you the wrong way. And I saw lineups like that dating all the way back to when Sheldon ran the Lumber Kings, dude. They had such high-end skill, and then they had a couple of guys. Some of these guys couldn't even really play. They were just meat bangers, you know? Yeah. Like, And let's, let's make the way no way mistake.
1: Were. I mean, the, the acquisitions the Leafs made, as I mentioned earlier, no sacrifice on skill there. Zach Bogosian is a better penalty killer statistically than Jake Muzzin is. This guy brings a lot to the table. Wayne Simmons... We know his offensive potential. Joe Thornton. Obviously, he's not tough or sorry, I shouldn't say he's not tough. He's not what your your stereotypical big tough guy, but he is bigger and tougher than a lot of the players on that hockey club yep. right now. And he stands so, up
0: for his teammates out there too, Joe does.
1: And I alluded to I alluded to it earlier when I was saying about how this is a bit more the next evolution of Dubis's squad because they found out it wasn't just coaching this year. And once Sheldon got brought in and there was a coach and a GM on the same page, they got to assess things and go, okay, what do we need? Let's work together on this. What? How do we fix this? And it sounds like they needed to tackle a few problems. And they were well known publicly by everyone by the end of the season. And that was leadership, culture, and really the makeup of the team in that they needed to get tougher to play against. And Dubas explicitly said that and they did it. So not only did they give us their objectives, but they went out and achieved them.
0: They have, they have had no real identity. Okay. The only time other
1: than being young and fast,
0: I was just going to say the only time they had an identity was in 2016 in the rookie year when they kind of shocked the Capitals and gave them a run for their money in the first round. Holy fuck, they made the playoffs. Yeah. That was crazy. Then they, I'm not going to say they almost beat the Caps because they didn't, but Jesus, Lesko. I mean, there were multiple overtimes. There was a double overtime, and they took them to six games. It was a good series. That was the last time they had an identity. And the identity, as you just pointed out so eloquently, might I add, was speed and skill. Well, that didn't get it done. So the identity faded. 2017, 2018, 2018, fucking 2019 and it's like, what are you? What are we? Yeah. We used to be fast and skilled in 2016 when it was a shock and we just had fun and everything was, it was all sunshine and rainbows and Mitch wasn't making any lists it's and everyone
1: 2020 now.
0: Now it's 2020. What are you?
1: What are you? And
0: I can't wait to see what they are.
1: I, I'm very I excited, I, I especially with the, the Thornton sign, just because it's been like a rumored thing for years, and it feels like a long time coming. And, I, you know, screw all the haters that are like, oh, he's so old, but we don't need Joe Thornton to score 50. Yeah. We don't need 50 points. We don't need 100 assists out of Joe Thornton. I know. The, there's other reasons why they brought him in. And I think one of the biggest parts of it is they were – think about that team, the leaders on the team, quiet leadership, Freddie Anderson, pretty stoic, pretty quiet. John Tavares, very quiet. Even Uh, Mo. Spezza too. For a guy who's a veteran leader on the team, quiet. Morgan Riley, quiet. Even Matthews. They've brought in some vocal dressing room guys in Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, and you can't undervalue that. And they're not the kind of guys who are going to rock the room, rock the boat, No, but they will change these guys for the better and they will teach them things that they'll remember the rest of their careers. I
0: agree, dude. I I was going to say earlier, we got off it a bit, but I was going to say earlier that I felt that the moves that were made this offseason were about 50-50. 50% 50 on ice and 50% off ice.
1: I think you're bang on with that. And
0: I, I just, I can't get over how quickly everyone and by everyone i mean mostly the fucking leaf haters which seems to be everyone they'll just migrate to the all oh, ice product the all oh, ice product well joe's not gonna do anything oh spetz is not a fucking old man oh wayne is. oh jimmy VC. oh nice reclamation project like okay all this shit is great when you're talking about the all oh, ice product but let's talk about what what we've been needing what we've been lacking inside the room in the restaurant in the hotels You know, like on the trips, like we, 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 we don't have, we never had a Joe Thornton talking about whipping his dick out and stroking it if he scored four goals. Meanwhile, his teammate is the one being interviewed. Like Joe is a lighthearted guy. He will, he will make that room. Oh my God. He's going to make that room so much better. I, I, I can't wait. He's older than both the coach and the GM.
1: Isn't that something? <laughs> that is something. That's and the fact the that they got him for 700000 because I know last year we speculated about it a little bit, like, oh, well, apparently there's a chance. And he even admitted in an interview that going back to 2016 that there was a chance when they first signed Marlowe that Marlo. they not bring him in. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to hear that there has always been an interest. I think two reasons why it actually happened. San Jose is shit, finally. Yes. And that he was willing to sign for 700 K Yes, because it yeah. made it work for the Leafs because last year I think he had got like three and a half million, something like yeah, that. It wasn't going to work. There's no way they were going to pay him that. There's not a chance.
0: They took all of Kevin LeBanks' money and gave it to Joe. <laughs> 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 but seriously, yeah. I mean, I, I really loved, uh, I think it was on overdrive when Joe was doing his media rounds. Um, you know, that his, his dad has been a diehard leaf fan his whole life, but, You know, ever since 1997, he's had to wear a Bruins jersey and then he wore a Sharks jersey. So, like, it just seems like it's... It's such a wholehearted moment, Lesko. Like, not only for the Leafs and their fans, it's very cool to see Joe Thornton coming home. And it's not really, it's not really hurting our team. It's not, it's not like when we brought in Eric Lindros. Well, and it's a low like, risk. You know, Brian risk. Leach and Again, all these guys that came in and retired here. Like, we're not doing that well, anymore. It's,
1: it's, a, it's not a lo- last-minute rental. It's a low-risk contract that has the potential to pay off big because right now he performs and produces as a third line center well and he he
0: plays the game with his mind predominantly
1: yeah and if exactly like it's not like you can be like well he's old and slow he's never been fast no he slows the game down We, we the hands don't fade the hockey sense doesn't fade
0: man you think about joe thornton down low along the wall grinding out that third line, keeping the puck in the opposition end. And could and, very
1: well be on their first power play for You know, know.
0: like keep, keeping the puck in the opposition's end while your big guns get rested up and then there's a fucking face-off after the goalie freezes it and out comes Austin Matthews or maybe they ice the puck and you're just like, what a great job, Joe. But those little things often go, un- they're, they're, they're not thanked. It's, an, it's a thankless job just keeping the puck in the other end is a thankless job and maybe that's his only maybe that's his only role when he comes onto this team is listen joe when you're on the ice bud you fucking better be in the other end of the ice or we're going to sit your ass that's it end of story yeah. because the whole time and it'll there, be interesting
1: to see if he ends up scratched occasionally or spats ends up scratched because of that internal comp- competition we were talking about earlier plus the that taxi tried squad to, thing yeah and that they've tried to instill and yeah the, the taxi squad ends up giving you tons of options i imagine we're playing a reduced schedule so games will be a little bit more meaningful yes. next season yeah but i uh, there's one thing i want to leave us with here before we sign off and that's if you remember there was an interview with mike babcock on the fan 590 with Old sunglasses bobcat himself and they asked him the question can you really do you really believe that toronto will become a destination for free agents because no one wants to play here yes and mike babcock said they're coming yeah they're coming and he was right and he was absolutely right, he was right because guess what they're here
0: they're here you're fucking right bro what a way to end it and you know what i remember i remember being so pumped about babcock being right in that instance, when Patrick Marlowe decided to, to come here,
1: that was the first that was the sign first we one. had of it. Now, was it- that, oh wow, we didn't. We hadn't experienced that in years being a destination for free agents. And it's and been cool. Like and it's been exciting.
0: Yeah, it's and, and I don't you know, I don't mean to say that when Patrick Marlowe decided to come here, it was like, "Oh, here we go." Like, you know, maybe if Taylor Hall wants to come and play. But it was here, a sign of a like, change.
1: Like when's the last yes. time Leafs were a destination for a high-end free agent? I'm not saying like it's not a great uh, descriptor for Marlowe at that time, but to attract a player such of his caliber and of his pedigree, I think, was a a, a sign of things had changed.
0: Well, the last time we had that, Lesko, was pre salary cap era. Pretty when, much. When you could just spend whatever you wanted.
1: Yeah, and people wanted to come play for the team. Because it was there cool. Was a chance. Because it was cool. And that, and there was a chance. I guess so.
0: But was there really a chance for Eric Lindros and Brian? Le- I guess Brian Leach is a. a not a great example because he was actually pretty fucking good for us he was he was, tra- he, was. he was
1: acquired at the trade deadline
0: <laughs> but yeah you're right man it's a destination that people want to be they want to come here it's awesome i think it's going to be a great year i can't wait to see what the team looks like i'm so excited i can't wait to see jumbo joe in a leaf jersey
1: oh that 97 <laughs> get your checkbook out get your
0: i might have to get swipey, one
1: Swipy, swipey there
0: all right that's another episode episode 68 pucks and d podcast it's a wrap thanks for joining us quick outro here we'll be back we'll see you guys again soon